Hello all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast, taped live on Twitch and brought to you on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. And what's this? Coming to the ring as the surprise final entrant, I'm David, I'm a noob, and I haven't watched nearly as much wrestling. Let's go! I don't know if you were much of a surprise entrant, but you know. Look. Well, now, now we need to do to a do Royal the Rumble bit. with a guest. Well, now we have to have a Royal Rumble with a guest on so we can literally do that gag. Wait, and shit. it makes sense. Damn, I should have hit up Kyle. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Oh, I didn't think of that or I would have thought of or I would have recommended that. But yes, today we are doing our first ever episode on a Royal Rumble match. Because uh, by the time this drops, it will have already been Royal Rumble Saturday. But it is still the month of January. So we're doing a Royal Rumble episode to keep in the season. Tis, tis the season for some rumbling. Right. Indeed. So I will explain the Royal Rumble when we get to that match on the episode. But today we are watching the 2008 Royal Rumble. Now, why did I pick that Rumble? Because it's one I hadn't seen before and it was critically acclaimed online. Fair enough. It also had more modern conventions, such as um, showing the names and numbers of the contestants. So as they come out. Like a lot of old original rumbles, they wouldn't tell. They they just like run down the aisle and the commentators would be like, oh, wow, that's so-and-so. And there's like no on-screen mention of the numbers. Mm-hmm. So like you'd have to keep track of that shit yourself. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Fair enough. So we're picking one where I don't have to. But it is Royal the Royal Rumble 2008. And because my my... I feel like it cannot be emphasized how much I had to watch to prep to prep for this podcast. Um, because every time we like, I decided we we're gonna I'm gonna watch every episode of WWE TV from uh, Armageddon 2007 to Royal Rumble 2008. That's six weeks of WWE TV, which is already a lot to do in a week. But also, at this point in time, it wasn't just Raw and SmackDown. It was also ECW, and I have things to say about ECW when we get deeper into the show here. So I watched 18 episodes of WWE. That's 21 hours worth of WWE in a week to be prepared to talk about the the Royal Rumble. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Yeah. Uh, I will say I had a lot of fun, and it's kind of this interesting. There's a lot of stuff, interesting stuff to talk about from that point in time, and like uh, this was a c- accidentally cool period to kind of jump into. But we'll go ahead and get and uh, bring up the format of the show tonight. Uh, as is common with our uh, pay per view shows, uh, we do not ever have time to watch a full three hour pay per view show. So what we instead do is I cut as I look at the pay-per-view, I cut it and I cut it down to two hours. And so that means there are only five matches on the pay-per-view, but we are only going to be watching three of them. Mm -hmm. So uh, to save the best for last, I will start not with the main event, which is the Royal Rumble, but we will start from the top, from the first match on the show and go down. And the first match on this show was Ric Flair versus Montel Vontavious Porter or MVP. 
Uh, David, you know MVP because he's Bobby Lashley's manager these days. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, I thought that sounded familiar. That I was like, I was like, okay, we saw him live. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and so MVP is the United States champion. Uh, when he was a wrestler, his gimmick was kind of like cocky athlete type. Like he had, he made a lot of sports ball references and stuff and mm. such. And but the story isn't really about him. The story is about Ric Flair. And so Ric Flair is at the tail end of his career, and he's talking about retiring. And but then he makes the claim of like, I thought I thought about it, and I'm never gonna retire. Woo! And so okay. Vince McMahon, old, old because claim, he's, Ricky. Uh, then Vince McMahon. Because he's an evil dickhead who doesn't like Ric Flair. Unfortunately, we didn't start far back enough for me to know the context of this hatred. I just know that he hates Ric Flair. I mean, and to so, be fair, he seems to just kind of make a make a thing out of hating Ric Flair in general. I mean, last time we were in the early 2000s, he was also hating Ric Flair. So true. it seems on brand to me. Sure, sure. But basically, Rick, um, uh, Vince McMahon put a stipulation that you can still keep going, Rick, as long as you keep winning. The next match that you lose will be your last. And so uh, this is his fourth match, I believe, under this stipulation. Uh, the first match I didn't watch because it was from before that period of time. He beat Randy Orton in a match. Uh, the second time, he beat Umaga, which I will talk about him later. And then the third, his most recent match, he beat Triple H by Triple H. And then the fourth match is this against MVP. And I think a, a really good key element to the storyline is they're making it clear that he's scraping by. Mm. Like, for example, the Umaga match, he won by countout when Umaga speared himself through the outside barricade oof and then he beat triple h by dq because william regal came out to interfere and i'll explain that bit when we talk about triple h's storyline right now jesus but the point is he's not winning clean right mm. he's not he's he's an old crafty veteran who can still kind of hang but like the way he's winning these matches against top level guys in their prime shows that like He's just barely squeaking by, and his clock's going to run out sooner rather than later. Fair. Yeah. So he's now facing MVP, the newest competitor to step up. And uh, it's it's been a lot of, like, Ric Flair's been giving a lot of, like, this is my final speech promos. This is my Ooh. last time here kind of bits. And MVP is kind of like, I, 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 I like you, Rick. I look up to you, but I'm going to be the man who retires you. And Ric Flair's honestly like, you know what? Maybe you will be fair cop man but uh i'm you know, surprised but, that flair's taking that one on the chin mm -hmm. he's rick flair is portrayed as very honest about like where he's at as a wrestler at this point in time which is to say he knows he's at the end of his rope too even but though he's, like, he's over here being like i'm never gonna retire baby Woo! well yeah he doesn't want to retire but he understands that like he's losing his step compared to the new guys but <laughs> He, he's like, you know, I'm going to give, I'm still the man and I'm going to give it my all. And that's what you're going to need to beat if you're going to beat me. Fair. Also, I, I can just imagine a young Dario Cueto watching Vince put forward the stipulation, just taking notes very, 
Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Oh, I got to check that. I got to use that one. Oh, that's really good. I got I to gotta find a good opportunity to break that one out. A, a unique opportunity, if you will. That's true. Uh, right, the, uh, the next match up is John Bradshaw Layfield versus Chris Jericho. Okay. Uh, so Chris Jericho is still Chris Jericho. He's He is in between tours with Fozzie right now. So, you know, okay. he's like, he's good baby face. Yeah, rock star Jericho. Woohoo. Yeah. We all love him. John Bradshaw Layfield is uh, JBL, the former Bradshaw of the APA. You've seen him in that persona. Oh. But they decide on uh, 2003. Yeah. 2004 is when they did this. In 2004, they transitioned his character into rich asshole Texan man. To kind of play off of, like, they decide to lean into his real life background where he got rich playing the stock market. And then they were like, what if we lean into that and made him an evil heel asshole top guy? Of course, of course. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I feel as though uh, this could be maybe an extension of uh, Vince's uh, sustained bone picking with the. Uh, the concept of millionaires from Texas. Hmm. Interesting mm. thought. Hmm. Hmm. Wonder but if there's any bias there. Big old jibbles, <laughs> as one might call him. Uh, all, he... look, all I'm saying is, if Bradshaw calls wrestling wrestling, that that I, I'm putting the tinfoil hat on. A little, a little bit of in that twang is there. Ha! And. So JBL at the time was kind of semi-retired again. He was the SmackDown commentator. And so during the pay-per-view match with Jericho between Jericho and Randy Orton for the WWE Championship at Armageddon, Jericho accidentally bumped into Bradshaw, who was at the announce table. And so the match ends, that match ends with JBL attacking Jericho and just beating him down for disrespecting him like that jbl sounds like he got a temper on him he does he's a te he's got a temper and is a giant narcissist he calls himself a wrestling god of course of course Which then jericho decided to pile on and be like you know what dude you're not a wrestling god you're a wrestling wannabe Oh no, Jericho with those sick burns. Oh no. And so J and JBL said, and I took that personally. And so <laughs> he quit the SmackDown commentary table to go to Raw just so he could fight Jericho more. Also, wait, if that was if that was a match for the world title and it ended with JBL attacking Jericho, did Jericho then win by DQ? Yep, which means, of course, Randy Orton is still the champion. That is some very wait. Jer Jericho is still champion. Yes. No, uh, Orton. What? Because what? you can't win that. You can't win the title on DQ. Oh, you can't! God damn it! Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. Damn it! Yep. So then JBL took this shit way too far and like tried to choke Jericho out with a pout with an electrical cord live on air and then after that while jericho was out recovering jbl cut a promo on tv talking talking to chris jericho's kids and saying that ask your daddy to 
if he's a coward. What the fuck? Why? That seems kind of extra. Because JBL is extra. And Jericho came back and is like, you know what, dude? Fuck you. Okay. You made yeah. you made my kids doubt me when I said that no, I'm not a coward. So you know what? I'm gonna kill you. So this is just a battle of two gigantic egos taking everything way too personally. Yes. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I guess welcome to wrestling, but yeah. it's very Jericho, funny when it's when it's on display that hard. And Jericho is the babyface because he is, of course, the wrong to party here. He didn't really mm, do anything, mm -hmm. and JBL was like, "I'm gonna end this man's whole career." Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's our he's our rock star. We gotta we gotta uh, we gotta be nice to our to our good old boy going out there with his uh, definitely quite good music group. Yeah, so we are gonna watch that match. By the way, okay. that's the first okay. of three matches we're watching tonight. The second of three matches that we're gonna watch is Edge versus Rey Mysterio for the World Heavyweight Championship. Aww, every and once in a while, Austin does something nice for me. It helps that this was probably my favorite storyline of this whole section of stuff. Uh, so I've messaged David a little bit about this, but I'll go ahead and, and explain it for all you people. Is So Edge is the World Heavyweight Champion. He is a giant dirtbag. Who in that's that's what Edge's character became after. Remember the Lita controversy stuff I mentioned last time with the good guy rapist Kane bit. I talked yeah. about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. From Edge's perspective, that was a big career resurgence for him. It's kind of like he leaned into being a dick bag. Okay. From people being real life mad at him for having it for causing helping Lita to have an affair. Okay. So he's like dirtbag cheats to win, will win at all cost guy. And he has two lackeys, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, the edgeheads, who dress like him and idolize Edge. Of and course. And he is dating SmackDown general manager Vicky Guerrero. Hey, oh, my fucking queen! Big fan of her around these parts. We are we we stand. Excuse me, lady. Uh, constantly, mm -hmm. my favorite Karen of all time. Top ten Karens. Watch Mojo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's got the goons. He's got the general manager on his side. He's basically living the high life as the champion. And Rey Mysterio won a championship opportunity. And it was funny because basically what they did is a beat the clock challenge, which is a gimmick where a bunch of wrestlers wrestle matches and the one who wins the fastest wins. Okay. Uh, I'm not a super big fan of it, but that's a different story. And basically Rey Mysterio had to beat Edge because Edge inserted himself into the Beat the Clock Challenge to make it harder for Ray to win. And then, but then with the assistance of Dave Batista and The Undertaker, two men who Edge had screwed to win the title, they screwed Edge over and helped Ray get the title match. Oh, shit. Ray's got some power players on his side. Yeah. And so he gets the title match and the kind of the emotional beat of this story is not just the whole, I want to win the title stuff, but he also doesn't like Edge and Vicky's relationship. Uh, for people who don't know, 
in real life, Vicky Guerrero is the widow of Eddie Guerrero. Big shock. And oh, Ray. Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero were were really close friends. They were best of friends when they were alive, when they were both alive. And so Ray see is a close friend of Vicky as well. And she, and he's like, Vicky, I don't like your new boyfriend. I think he's a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> Which like fair he is. And Vicky gets an opportunity to tell him off because Ray also kind of ends up leaning into this, like you're disrespecting Eddie's memory. He all, well, he almost says it, but he is implying that he was going to say it. And she was like, I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, that that, Ray, come on, buddy. You're better than that. Yeah. A little bit, but he does have a good point that in particular edge is a piece of shit. (laughs) Edge is, this is, this is, this is true. Uh, wrong work, right answer. Yep. And it leads to Chavo Guerrero, you know, Eddie's, Eddie's, uh, I believe his cousin, nephew. That's it. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I didn't Chavo. realize this was all the same Guerrero family. Yeah, I didn't man, realize the Guerrero Vicky, family. I didn't realize Vicky was Eddie's widow. I didn't realize Chavo was related. Oh, man. Yep. So Chavo comes out and he's like, Ed, Ed, Ray, shut up. You're not a Guerrero. Stay out of family business. Vicky, your boyfriend is a dirtbag. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Based don't worry. Well, that lasted about a week because here's the thing on SmackDown, Chavo is, uh, again, hell, uh, fighting against Edge as Vicky's boyfriend. But on ECW, he is chasing CM Punk who is the ECW champion. And this, I had to watch six episodes of ECW. One was a highlight, an end of the year video. And four of them were main evented by CM Punk versus Eddie Guerrero for the ECW title. Chavo Guerrero. Uh, Chavo Guerrero, yes, sorry. Yes. Uh, CM Punk won the first match by count out. Then he won okay. again by DQ. But the third time, the third time that happened after this whole bit with Ray and and and, and Chavo and Eddie Edge on SmackDown, mm-hmm. Edge came to ECW to confront CM Punk, and he ended up helping Chavo Guerrero beat CM Punk. And then when they had the rematch for the title, Edge helped Chavo win the ECW title from Punk. So and so, fuck. and so suddenly. Why? Because now, after that, Chavo's suddenly like, you know what, Vicky? I thought about it. I was mistaken. <laughs> we're, we should all be one big happy family. This 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 Edge guy is okay. Yeah, you know what? This Edge guy is all right. I do, I do have to appreciate Chavo watching out for technically non-blood-related family uh, mm-hmm. via via widowing uh, like, like that for Vicky, even if he is turn into some self-serving bullshit. I have to appreciate that she still gets to be, you know, part of the family. Of course. And hmm. so now Edge Ch- Chavo is firmly in Edge's corner and happy to help him too. Oh, good. So the odds are certainly not stacked in Ray's favor tonight. He got, he's got a whole family picking beef with him. It's uh that's, that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next match on the show, one we will not be watching, is Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy for the WWE title. So okay. Jeff Hardy, you know him, you know, cool he's dude. Big. 
Indeed. Like, uh, one like... flippy boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he beat Triple H to get a shot at the WWE Championship. And his Ooh. whole story right now is kind of like, he's a big fan favorite, and it's like all the stars are coming aligned for Jeff Hardy. Mm. Like, he's beaten Randy Orton multiple times even. They talked a lot about, in the early part of the bit, about momentum, which I make fun of that phrase for being meaningless, but it is part of a real story here that they're trying to tell that, like, everything's coming up Hardy right now. Maybe this is his night to become world champion. And yeah. Randy Orton takes offense to such notions. And as recompense, he hospitalizes Matt Hardy, who is, remember, Jeff's brother. Uh, didn't we see The Undertaker pulling some similar shit when we were, yes. when we were in... Uh, the the around the Christmas episode time or stuff. Why 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 do people keep trying to fucking like ice climber nerf the Hardy Boys where they just try to knock one out and completely thus the, uh, invalidate the other? Like like why why is this a thing that happens more than once? Like I'm too nickling about about the Hardy Boys being 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 like half whacked right well, now. What is happening? you know well you know head mind games, you know, beating up your brother and all that. So, and also you know, if, 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 that, if that's really going to like keep getting to them on repeat offense after repeat, it kind of sounds like they're, they're capitalizing on a codependent relationship and whose fault is that at the end of the day? You know what I'm mm. saying? It really makes you think. <laughs> makes you, makes you, makes you think it's a real head. It's a real head scratcher. Yeah. So then Randy Orton, uh, I should know that Jeff Hardy is also intercontinental champion. So they're making a big deal about like, Ooh. can Jeff Hardy become the third man to become world WWE champion and intercontinental champion at the same time? Fuck yeah, dude. And so Randy Orton has tried to fuck with Ed, some, uh, excuse me, Jeff some more. Uh, he tried to help. Uh, he tried to cost Jeff the intercontinental championship to Umaga in a steel cage match he failed though and then he was like i want a one-on-one -on -one match for your intercontinental championship on raw jeff and so that happened and i but it ended in like count out i believe but sure. so there was some bullshit. but yeah and they've been going back and forth brawling they even did a bit where um jeff hardy swanton bombed randy orton from the top of the stage through a table to the side of the ring it's pretty wild. God damn, he's so talented. Yes, it's great. So that's a it's a it's a decent storyline, but I preferred Edge and Mysterio. So it's like that's the one we're going with for tonight. Yeah, baby. I'm happy. And so now we're here to the main event, which obviously we're gonna watch the Royal Rumble match. So what is a Royal Rumble match? I suppose I should start with that because it's our first ever episode with a Royal Rumble. Mm -hmm. uh though i will say that you david should be at least somewhat familiar with the rules because lucha underground's aztec warfare does a very similar rule set yeah yeah uh and i and i've seen royal rumble bits before actually speaking mm -hmm. of ray mysterio i i did see i did watch on youtube once a clip where ray mysterio was the surprise entrant final man whatever who just came in and wrecked shit um <laughs> I don't know what year that was. It had to have been like 2010s after he was brought back to the company or whatever. It was either uh, that or it was I like early 2000s. 
Uh, there's the early 2000s one where he wins the Royal Rumble, and I put I some think, thought. I can't, I can't remember. I thought he wins. I also think it was the debut of, of his, like, current theme song when they did it. Oh, that could um, be it as well. But also, he, he did famously come out at number 30 in 2014. That was the, and that was the year that everyone wanted Daniel Bryan to win, so the crowd booed the shit out of Rey Mysterio for not funny. being Daniel Bryan. That's funny. Yeah, it was it was a good time. Anyway, so the Royal Rumble match is there. It is 30 participants, but you start with only two men in the ring. And every two minutes, another man enters the ring. And so it goes until all 30 men enter the match. Uh, if you throw your opponent over the top rope with both feet touching the floor, you have to do both for to count, then they are eliminated from the match. So it's a battle royal that is protracted. And yeah. incredibly, it's kind of amazing, actually. Yeah, the way I hear it told, this is like the consistently really good thing in um, uh, in WWE. Like, everyone is all fucking in on the Royal Rumble, always. No matter what they feel about the rest of the company, everyone loves the yes. fuck out of the Royal it is a very fun match and i don't want to get too deep into what i love about it until david see it himself you know give him some let him have his own fresh perspective on it but yes absolutely that royal rumble is the one show a year i always make sure i make time for because Fuck it's yeah. a lot of fun no matter what else is going on in wwe at the time can can confirm as someone who's fallen off of watching wwe regularly in the last few years hmm mm. Uh, also, I looked it up. I've I, the one I saw was 2018 Rey Mysterio uh, Royal Rumble. Oh yeah, Rumble. that was a good. That was a good Rumble. That was a fun shit. time. Uh, I see him fighting Adam Cole, which I didn't realize Adam Cole was ever in the Royal Rumble. That's that's yes, wild. he did make an appearance in 2018. I I thought about doing 2018 Royal Rumble to be honest, but I chose not to because that was also the first year where they had the women's Royal Rumble and that main event of the show. So I was like, it would be awkwardly timed because I wanted our last match to be the Royal Rumble mat, the Royal Rumble, but also the men's Royal Rumble took place in the middle of the show. So I was like, I, I don't really like the timing of that. Fair. So, but that was a fantastic rumble for sure. Uh, so nice. anyway, <coughs> uh, the Royal Rumble was created in 1988. It's basically just kind of like a house show gimmick. It was invented by Pat Patterson as an idea, as an idea, and they just kind of threw it on an NBC special they were doing at the time. The NBC oh. special was really supposed to be hyping up the contract signing between uh, Hogan for Hogan Andre too, which we watched that match, didn't we? Hey, the fate with the double refs. And yeah, that one, that one got dumb. Yeah, so the Royal Rumble was just kind of like another selling point of that show. And it was really well received. And so from 1989 on, they started doing a whole pay-per-view show related around it. And so the first few Royal Rumbles were basically not for anything. So whoever just kind of won them. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, our favorite all U.S. boy around here. God the very, damn. He won the first one. Uh, Big John Studd won 1989. And Hulk Hogan won 1990 and 1991. Okay, uh, 1992 okay. is where things got interesting. In 1992, because of a storyline going on at the time, the WWE Championship was vacated. 
And so they made a stipulation that whoever wins the 1992 Royal Rumble will also become WWE champion. Shit. And it was won by Ric Flair. It's absolutely one of the greatest Royal Rumbles of all time. No doubts about it. Thought Damn. about putting it on the show, but remember my thing about modern conveniences earlier as to why I chose not to go that route. But yep. we'll probably watch the 92 Rumble at some point. Fair enough. It's one of those must-watches. Uh, and then from 1993 on, they added the the golden, the final piece to resistance to this whole thing. It was announced in 1993 that the winner of the match uh, would go on to, would get a, champ, a WWE championship match in the main event of WrestleMania that year. Mm. And that okay. was basically like the start of, that really pushed the Royal Rumble as the thing, is when it became the winner gets to be the number one contender at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. And since then, that's basically what it's been for. And in 2018, they added, they started also having the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, and so ever since now, every year, they do two Royal Rumbles in one show. And since the brand split era, it's also been established that you can challenge for any championship. You don't have to challenge for the WWE Championship. You can also go for the world heavyweight title and that there has been story they have played storylines playing into the drama of of making that choice wait run me by how does how does that choice get made they just the wrestler who wins just chooses that who they will challenge at mania oh shit okay fair enough mm -hmm. that's kind of dope yeah, and so every year, you know, how many Royal Rumble competitors get announced every year is debatable. The early Royal Rumbles, they'd always say all 30 people in the Rumble. Uh, nowadays, usually what they do is they'll announce most people in the Rumble, but then they'll leave a few open slots to not tell people. Some of those mm -hmm. will be wrestlers who just weren't announced, and sometimes they'll use that to use surprise appearances, whether it be from old-school legend wrestlers or... As, as we've seen in recent years, like with the Adam Cole thing, they'll use that to have uh, NXT wrestlers make surprise yeah. appearances. Fair enough. So the 2008 Royal Rumble actually announced almost everybody. They announced 27 entrants of the 30. So we're going to go over all of them like it's the pokey rap or something. Oh, God. Uh, so basically what I did to avoid, I thought about how to do this because obviously I, I'm using Wikipedia, but also Wikipedia lists all of them in the order they come out in. And that just won't do. So what I did is I, t I basically alphabetized the wrestlers and we're going to talk about each brand, Raw, ECW, then SmackDown in that order. Okay. That way you have absolutely no knowledge of when any of them enter the, enter the match. Okay. So, from Raw, we have Carlito, whose gimmick is he is Caribbean, and he spits in the face of people who don't want to be cool. So, he literally, oh, carries hey. an he literally carries an apple to the ring, and then he bites into it, and he spits in their faces, spits in people's faces. And then what did what did fucking uh, Santino Morales? Yeah, right now he's in a story bit with Santino where they're kind of tag team partners, and Santino's comedy, a lot of his comedy is is malapropisms, and so <laughs> he, he says Carlito's catchphrase that. is is swapping spit with men who aren't cool. <laughs> I 
I just have to say, this isn't a line I've picked up in a while, but throwing back to my uh, wrestling is Shakespearean meme, mm-hmm. this is a proud tradition, proud Shakespearean, maybe not Shakespearean born, but Shakespearean popularized tradition. Glad to see it carried forward in such cultural heavyweights as Santino Morello <laughs> saying we swap spit with men who are cool. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, next up, <laughs> next up, we have Cody Rhodes and Hardcore Bob Holly. They're kind of coming together because they are the World Tag Team Champions. At, they are on the on Raw, and it's basically a like their relationship right now is old crotchety veteran and young upstart rookie. You can guess who's who. <laughs> yeah, mm, real uh, real shocker there. Yeah. Uh, then we have from Raw, Mick Foley. So I'm going to go deeper into this in a minute. Mick Foley! Yeah, I'm going to go deeper into this when we talk about Hornswoggle. And God, am I not ready to talk about Hornswoggle. God, but I'm never ready to talk about Hornswoggle, TV-ish. Basically, Rick, uh, Hornswoggle was told by Vince to find a tag team partner. And if you both win your match tonight, you're both in the Rumble. And he got Mick Foley as his tag team partner. And so Mick Foley's in the Rumble. Uh, Mick Foley sounds like a good tag team partner for Hornswoggle. If only that Mick Foley seems like he would actually, like, give Hornswoggle the respect he deserves as a wrestler. Sure, sure. Then we have Mr. Kennedy. So, Mr. Kennedy is just kind of a narcissistic douchebag. Uh, I will have a lot more to say about Kennedy when we get to Hornswoggle, but basically he, his bit is that his name is Mr. Kennedy. And when he comes to the ring, he gets like an old school boxing microphone comes down to the, from the rafters. And then he says his, he announces himself and he's Mr. Kennedy, Kennedy. Oh, good. And he's been feuding with Shawn Michaels because she beat Shawn Michaels once and he swears that Shawn Michaels just can't get over it. And it's like, dude, you're the only one who still cares. So it's like, it's like the, uh, the MSU OSU rivalry. Yes. <laughs> uh, Santino Morella is in yeah! the match. And yeah, he is a fake Italian and he's a comedy character. We've already talked about a lot of his comedy is his goofy malapropisms and just, kind of air but right now he's also a heel so right now he's just kind of he's also kind of a dickhead and that's weird i i I do want to shout out santino for every time i hear john laurinitis's name i just have to john laurinitis yeah beautiful uh right right now he is in kayfabe dating maria canellis and they have there's a bit related to that on this show that we are not watching but i feel like i have to say now so that i can mention what happened later but we're not covering it on the show because it sucked and i was like thank god i don't have time to justify putting this in hey. then of course in the rumble match sean michaels the heartbreak kid i mean what do i gotta say about sean michaels you know I mean, like we've yeah. seen him enough on this show. He is in his like remember he's come back from his back injury. He's found Jesus. He's just a good wrestling dude. He's the show stopper. Wait, All how that long did good it take stuff. him to come back from his back injury? 
Uh, he retires in 98. He comes back in 2002, though he admits it. he, he could have come back sooner, but he was also hopped up on so much drugs. That's that fair. he wasn't in a good it wasn't he, 2002 was when he was his back was good and he was in a good enough mental state to like come back fair enough yeah so so he's heading toward the tail end of his career like, he is he only has a few more years left by this point damn. but sean michaels is in here uh then we have snitsky uh he has a part to play in that kane lita thing from last week but right yeah. now his thing is he's basically just big and dumb and ugly Cool. Like, I will say that uh, I didn't get a chance to bring this up yet, but for like the fur, but for like this first, this is the first WWE pay-per-view that is in a broadcast in high definition and they made a oh, big shit. deal about that. And so they made a big deal about how ugly Snitsky's going to look in HD. They're like, oh, it's going to be very unsettling. <laughs> do they like do anything to him? Do they like put makeup on him or some shit like they, I mean, they put in like his, fan teeth, of the his, teeth, his teeth look disgustingly yellow but other than that no i don't think they do anything they just trust that he naturally looks kind of ugly wow that's fucking rude <laughs> and then we have the game triple h he is in the royal rumble uh to cycle back to this bit about like how he lost to rick flair so he Vince McMahon hates him because of course he does. Triple he's H is to a baby his goddamn daughter, and, and Vince well, is probably and, and Vince is probably being a possessive patriarchal dick about it. Well, they actually this is before they acknowledge that on screen. Oh, really? Oh shit. Yeah, they don't acknowledge that until like 2009 is, oh. the, is when they make that clear. Right now it's just like a Triple H is the badass cool baby face. And Triple A and Vince McMahon is the evil maniacal heel. So, you know, so the the bit why Rick, Rick Flair, uh, it, William Regal interfered with Rick Flair because William Regal is the GM of Raw right now, even though Vince McMahon is also around to assert his authority over over William Regal. And so sure. Regal attacked Flair to screw over Triple H because the match was basically if if Triple H went to ensure that Triple H would actually try to beat Ric Flair because that's obviously a concern. They're close friends. Why would he want to retire Ric Flair? Vince McMahon was like, if you lose, you're out of the rumble. Of course, of course. Uh, it ended up Triple H found his way into other matches for the Royal Rumble because Vince McMahon didn't totally appreciate William Regal interfering like that. That wasn't his plan. That was Regal's plan. Oh. And eventually Triple H wins the match and it gets into the Rumble. There's a, that's a whole big bit. I don't think it's that important to go over. But it, it was just it was just a long protracted way of, of getting Triple H into the Royal Rumble. He 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 made it anyway. Yep. And then the last member of Raw is Umaga. So Umaga, we've seen him before, actually, as one half of Three Minute Warning. I oh. believe he is Rosie of Three Minute Warning. But now he, I've been thinking about how to put this. It's basically like he is the last wrestler that I know of to play into, I don't even want to say play into, but he uses the Samoan Savage aesthetics. I'll say it like that. Okay. But, but I will say, though, he doesn't play into the stereotypes. Like, 
you've seen the stereotypes, you know. I, savage, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I've seen Sika really biting stupid. a fucking raw chicken head off. Right, writing, being, eat, being stupid, eating raw chickens, stuff eating. like that. Very they don't play into they don't play into that at all. Like Umaga is portrayed as just like a normal, smart, regularly intelligent dude who just okay. sh- who just shows his heritage. He's also a big mean son of a bitch. That's the important part, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, some some traditions of the wrestlers from the Samoan Isles still alive and well. Mm-hmm. So he's in the rumble. Now, moving on to ECW. So I guess it's the time to talk about WWE ECW. So after ECW went under uh, in 2001, uh, I will say I've been a, I've been saying that WWE bought ECW, and that's because I thought they did, but actually that's inaccurate. In 2001, they just went bankrupt for a lot of reasons. And after getting that all settled in bankruptcy court and all that, WWE bought the assets to ECW in 2004. And so for that, WWE put out a documentary called The Rise and Fall of ECW that kind of was gives about their history and how everything fell apart. And it was critically acclaimed and super successful. And Are WWE you fucking was like, kidding me? It is actually one of their better documentaries. I Wait, really? Were they were they yeah. still biased dicks about the whole thing? They were pretty fair, actually. I think the fact that they aren't like one of WWE's bigger rivals, like in their minds. In WWE's okay. minds, they they don't see. I don't think they ever saw ECW as big rivals. So I think they had a more willing to have a more fair hand to it. Fair enough. But it was hugely successful, and so they decided, what if we cash in on that sweet sweet nostalgia? And so in 2005, they do ECW One Night Stand, and that's legitimately a really good pay per view. I've watched it, and. It's it's a it's 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 super successful, and so they're like, "What if we made a whole? What if we revived the whole show?" And thus began WWE ECW. And I'll give them this: for a little bit of time, they tried, specifically because they put Paul Heyman in charge of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, once you got the boy up there, he's gonna he's just gonna kick mm-hmm. all the ass. But here's the problem: is that at the end of the day. Even if it was good, and I'll be honest, I've what I've seen of like the very beginning of WWE ECW, it wasn't that good. But even if it was good, it was never going to be what ECW fans wanted it to be. Because it's still a WWE product. And yeah, they're still TV 14, but ECW was very hard TV MA. So Okay. This this feels like we're bringing something back around that I have been confused about for a while because you've talked about this phenomenon before and about mm-hmm. the WWE ECW thing and about fans not being into it for X reasons and it was never going to be mm-hmm. as good yada. And I was confused. I didn't have much frame of reference for that. And I remember kind of asking you about it before. You're like, don't, don't worry about it. That's a whole other can of worms. So, so this is mm-hmm. what that is. This is, this is, ECW was like the giant hardcore monster company and just WWE tried to cash in but refused to actually replicate what made it successful. Yes. Okay. They they brought back the dudes they could bring back to their credit, but like again, it's still through a WWE lens are you seeing the ECW original so to speak. 
Yeah. And so event within like six ish months, Paul Heyman leaves the company over it because he's it's not successful and he's getting heat for it. And he's like, you know what? Mm -hmm. Fuck this. Yeah, fair. And so after that, it still limps along. It doesn't get canceled until 2010 when NXT starts. So what is it now? It's in 2008. It's like its own thing, but it's not like it's a place where other non ECW branded wrestlers can show up guys from raw and SmackDown and they do storylines and stuff. And it's like, it's kind of, it's hard to explain. It's just, it's a B show that just kind of keep chugging along. That's, that's interesting, especially if they have like really disparate storylines or at least somewhat disparate storylines going on between shows. I mean, you talked about the Chavo Guerrero thing mm -hmm. that seemed like half or it seemed like loosely connected. And then they brought in a full connection with like the edge helping him thing. Yeah. But it also feels like it's constructed in such a way that you could just watch ECW on its own. Yeah, I would say that's a fair way to look at it. Okay. But it's a beach, and I'm going to say, you know what, from what I watched, it's all right. Like, it's not, I'm not going to say it's necessarily good. I think it felt very, seeing six weeks of it in a row, it felt kind of formulaic at points. But, like, if it was the kind of, if I was watching, but, like, it wasn't, like, the devil that I think a yeah. lot of ECW fans saw it as when it first started. And it's, it's like... If it was still on today, if it was if I was watching in 2008, I'll put it like that, then I would probably still watch ECW weekly and enjoy it. Interesting. It's not okay. like groundbreakingly good or anything, but it's enjoyable for what it is. And again, it was it they did kind of use it in that proto NXT way of like using it to get guys on TV that they want to test out. For example, CM Punk got his start in WWE through ECW. That makes sense. And I mean, from, from how you've talked about it, I, I imagine mm -hmm. there's obviously bias on the part of the ECW mm -hmm. fans who want. Yeah, I, I agree that part of that is like, that's like, leave the memories alone. <laughs> and it's, I, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's this net. It, it wasn't what they wanted. And it, and I kind of, and I, and I'm willing to accept their complaints about that of it being not what you wanted because WWE is the ones who use the ECW branding. Like I think that created a certain level of expectation. Yeah, they, they had the resources, they had the, they had the, the, the ability to try it. But I mean, it's WWE. They're not going to take that leap to no to to go as hard as ecw did i mean pro clutching is their main move half the time like mm -hmm. like they're not but, gonna do any gory self-mutilation if you want to put no it like of course not no no but like that makes sense to me because like mm -hmm. emotionally i get having this like reviolent revilement for the for the for the the watered down version of your awesome edgy product uh, mm -hmm. But I can also see it, like, outside of that in its own little vacuum actually being pretty serviceable from kind of what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. As someone who has no nostalgia for ECW because well, of yeah, exactly. my age, I think I think that I think I can look at it from almost like a what just for what it was, how good is it? And I say yeah, it's fair. decent. <clears throat> sure. 
And so who from ECW is in the Royal Rumble? Well, we got Big Daddy V. I don't believe we've managed to see him. Oh, yes, we have. He is Mabel of Man on a Mission from the oh. new generation. He's still fucking around. And okay. Big Daddy V is basically just him being like, what if he was a big hoss that kicked heel? And he's managed, you'll appreciate this, he's managed by Matt Stryker. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. That's that's impressive if dude's stuck around since fucking new generation. Uh what fuck, which one was Mabel? Was he the big one that was oh, yeah, oh pounds. yeah, okay. Yeah, mom, which I wasn't super impressed by when we watched them. No, uh, he hasn't really gotten better, no. But Matt no. Stryker's a good mouthpiece because of course he is. Well, yeah, Stryker's Stryker's Stryker knows how to use his words, which is cool. Yep. So he's in the Rumble. Then we have Chavo Guerrero in the Rumble. I think my explanation of Edge Mysterio covered all the bases with him. Yep. Uh, then we have CM Punk in the Rumble. Uh, hey. CM, Punk is, CM Punk is interesting because this is his earliest WWE day. So he's like kind of a generic babyface character. He's just kind of a good dude. Uh, the really only noticeable part about his character is that he still is that he is bringing in the straight edge stuff to say it's part of his catchphrase and lines. If he's like, I'm straight edge. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. My addiction is wrestling. Ah, <laughs> uh, I gotta say it's, the Earl it's the, corny. It's not great, but it's fine. Yeah. He's still a yeah, good wrestler. That, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, it's CM Punk. The early days mm -hmm. of like the the straight edge thing sounded like they were kind of obnoxious, but whatever. Yeah, the only part, the only time I really enjoy the element of CM Punk bring that in is when he was with the Straight Edge Society. Yeah, well, that, well, that, that's 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 the vibe I get. Is once he once he goes into the the, the SES, that that shit gets like fun. Yeah, uh, him being a, G, a, a messianic figure. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, I always find it hilarious that it's like that he starts a cult just based on uh, being straight. You know, what, what, what could be what could be you know called being a square? Like like imagine being able to to seduce Serena Deep to the dark side because you're like, hey, you know what we got? No alcohol and no drugs. Let's fucking go. Yeah, and it worked. And it, and it yeah and and then it proceeded to work. Yeah. Uh, then we got yeah. Then we got Elijah Burke. He hasn't been very he hasn't been very uh, had a lot of appearances on ECW TV in the last few weeks. But he's his storyline was basically he's like cocky, arrogant, upstart, and he was portrayed as kind of a heel against the ECW originals, trying to you know take out the old timers, make way for the new blood, and all that. Yeah. So that's still basically his general attitude. He again he hasn't appeared on TV in like six weeks, so I don't really have a lot I can say about him. Enough. Then we have John Morrison and The Miz, who are the W, who are the WWE tag team champions. We have two oh, tag shit. champs, just like everything else right now. And their characters are basically like it was basically like they're two stuck-up asshole douchebags, and they kind of just at the same time realized, what if we were stuck-up asshole douchebags together? <laughs> and they turned out to be a really good tag team. 
that doesn't surprise. I mean, John Morrison. I feel like I mean, he's John Morrison. Come on, and I, 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 I could see him pairing pretty well with the Miz. Actually, they have um, great chemistry together. I'll say that. That's that's cool because because Morrison, like Morrison's whole thing is at least in Lucha has been that that he has a very distinct way of being in ring and and very showy style. So it's cool that that works with the Miz. Like like mm-hmm. it's it's cool that that these two very showboaty dudes are able to find a lot of success, I guess, showboating together. Yep. And then we have Shelton Benjamin, who is kind of, who is right now just being like, he's like, I'm an amateur wrestler and I'm out wrestle everybody and I'm going to win. And I'm going to win gold. He's cause, and he's, he's, he's really leaning into the first line of his theme song. He's just like, ain't no stopping me now. And his theme is admittedly iconic. It's pretty great. Fair enough. And then Tommy Dreamer is in the Rumble. He's, you know, Tommy hey, Dream. He's hardcore, ECW hardcore dude. What do you want from me? Hardcore is uh, right. Yep. And then on SmackDown, we have Batista is in the Royal Rumble. He's basically just big, angry muscle dude who's a baby. Yep. Guys, of course. And then we got Chuck Palumbo and Jamie Noble. I'm combining them because they kind of have the same bit. Is Chuck Palumbo right now is like a dude in a midlife crisis. Like he's coming into the ring with leather and a motorcycle and a hot blonde on his, on his, in on his motorcycle. And I'm like, okay, dude. <laughs> and that hot blonde is Michelle McCool, who is one of the wrestlers. And she, and basically her bit with Jamie Noble is like, Jamie Noble is, first of all, he's like a redneck. He has a very distinct accent. And but he's also the beleaguered nice guy, best friend to Michelle McCool, who he like tried to take her on a date and it flopped. And how she's like kind of seeing Chuck Palumbo and he's an asshole to her. And and Jamie is like, Hey, stop being with this asshole. Hashtag nice guy. Yeah, I I got them nice guy vibes with Jamie Noble and Palumbo. And then we have Finley and Hornswoggle. Okay, Hornswoggle. Oh, God damn it. So remember the Vince McMahon blows himself up in the limo thing? Vince McMahon blows himself up. It was up. right before the Benoit thing happened. I don't, I don't know. I feel like I mentioned it, but. I don't know oh, if I I'll, do. Okay, so Vince McMahon tried to run a storyline where he blew up in a limo and died and they were going to have a whole protracted angle where there's this big family drama where linda had linda mcmahon had him killed and then an illegitimate bastard child showed up and wanted claim to the company i know about the illegitimate bastard child part if we're talking about hornswoggle i'll get to how that had got we got to that part right So, and then it was going to be revealed to be Ken Kennedy was the illegitimate bastard son. And he was going to feud with Triple H for control of the company. And then Vince was going to come back to having faked his death so that he could wrangle full control of the company over to himself. It was absolutely insane soap opera bullshit. And they ran the, and so they ran the angle where Vince blew up. And then a week later... Chris Benoit did a double murder suicide. Yep. 
And they were like, okay, I guess we can't do this storyline where Vince McMahon died anymore. But hey, that's okay. Surely we can still do the part about the bastard child, right? Ken Kennedy is fine. And then later that week. So as a point, as a reminder, that the main as I talked about with the Benoit tragedy before, the mainstream media was quick to push the idea that it was all steroid abuse problem is the, the cause of this tragedy. And so Ken Kennedy went on CNN and and said straight to their faces that he does not do steroids and then guess what happened there was a there was a there was they was evidence was revealed of a doping scandal and you bet your ass that ken kennedy was listed so he got busted steroids and got busted lying about it on cnn and so they were like fuck that he's out (laughs) why would you do that why would you do that stupidity i assume you're just tempting fate at that point you not not all of us can be as slick as vince mcmahon who can just evade steroid charges like a like a well like a motherfucker who's hopped up on roids Mm -hmm. yeah so basically they've lost the impetus for the bastard child storyline and then they lost the bastard child well oh god except we also kind of already started this plans for this storyline so what are we gonna do and so they just kind of just changed it to hornswoggle okay and so hornswoggle is it, it to there is portrayed like most little people are portrayed in wrestling in that they are in their infant infant infantilized i don't think infantilized, that was the infantilized a lot He is a grown man with a beard, and yet he is still treated as a small child. (laughs) But Vince McMahon is the douchey asshole father figure and who is pretending that he's not a douchey asshole. And so that's how Hornswoggle, again, he got into the rumble with the tag team match with Mick Foley, and the idea was that I think the implication is that Vince McMahon expected that no one would be willing to tag with Hornswoggle. And so he would, he could just be like, well, son, I gave you your chance at the Royal Rumble, but oh, well, couldn't get, couldn't get it. And then Mick Foley stepped up. And so, oops. Yeah. Wow. Vince didn't account for actual like good people in his company. Fuck. Yeah. And so fit Finley, he's Irish and he, he loves to fight. That's his gimmick. That's all it is. He, he hits people with a shillelagh. Oh, this guy. You mentioned this guy. Yeah. And so Finley and Hornswoggle have kind of developed a, a close friendship, from presumably because they're both very Irish. Irish, yeah. And so he kind of stands as Wait. like the main... Keep going. No, keep going. I was just saying is that he kind of fulfills this role of being like somebody who like the one person who really sticks up for and tries to protect Hornswoggle from Vince McMahon's abuse- abuses. And they keep talking about like a deal between Finley and Vince. And I am pretty sure I know how it pays off, but I don't know if I should mention it, Mm, but it's a mystery. And I think I know the answer. Christ. Also, wait, if Hornswoggle's pairing up with very Irish fit Finley and they're buddies because they're very Irish, 
How many goddamn times they have Hornswoggle dressed up as a leprechaun? Always. That's his standard attire, is that of a leprechaun. That's his standard attire. I just thought he was a dude. Why is he a leprechaun? In WWE, he's always a fucking leprechaun. Why is he a leprechaun? Why? Because, David, he is a small person, and he is Irish. Ah, naturally. Great. Let's move on. Yeah, let's. Uh, we got Kane. He's Kane. He hasn't really had much of a storyline going so far, so, like, what can I tell you? He's Kane. You know Kane. Mm -hmm. We got Mark Henry. You know, world's strongest man, Mark Henry. He's Mark Henry. He's tired. He's, he's actually also paired up with Matt Stryker these days. So we got like Big Daddy V and Mark Henry are quasi a tag team. Okay. Uh, then we have the great Kali, who he is seven foot tall, an Indian, and a monster heel. That's it. Nice. And then we got the Undertaker. He's the Undertaker. He is what he is. Is he, is he, he still in his fucking biker phase? No, thank God. He's back to being Yay! He's back to being spooky, dude. Yay. He's back to being spooky having, boy. I, I keep getting to not have to watch the biker phase. Let's go. Yep. Uh, Undertaker's only real thing is he's talking about how he won the Royal Rumble in 2007 and he wants to join a very elite group of people to go back to back. Bitch, you're holding the streak. Get over yourself. Yeah, he otherwise doesn't have much of a story going. So you know what? That and that covers it. All twenty-seven people. We are here. We have made it. it. Took an hour, but we've made it. And so there are three people who aren't in the rumble, and who I, I say they haven't announced who's in the rumble. And who is it gonna be? Oh, oh intrigue. We'll find out when we get there. So if you want to watch the 2008 Royal Rumble, you can do so on Peacock, WWE's uh, American streaming service partner, $4.99 a month with ads, $9.99 a month without ads. Uh, or if you are outside of the U.S., you can still use the WWE Network for $9.99 American dollars. Yep, do, do the thing. But it's, uh, it's time. It's time to rumble. It's time uh, for the Royal Rumble. Uh, some may say, uh, let's get ready to rumble. They actually did have Michael Buffer in the commercials for this. Wait, seriously? This did they get yeah. Buffer for this? I thought they you did said WWE Buffer. didn't ever use Buffer. Well, that was a mistake on my part. But he, they didn't use him when WCW did. So I kind of assumed oh. he never did anything in WWE. But... I... You know, I I would have been surprised if they never got buffer for this. Mm -hmm. But all right, uh, we'll see you guys in the back half to talk more about the Royal Rumble 2008. And we are back. We have just finished the Royal Rumble 2008. Ooh, that was a that was a wild affair. I mean, off the bat, I can see why this thing is as acclaimed as it is. That is a mm -hmm wild wild match and one that's just it's just fun to watch the chaos it, that, is. That, it, it seems already like that's just a formula that's impervious from getting old it's just exciting to watch all of these beefy boys meet in the same ring mm -hmm. all at once and like god it, it, it's just exciting shit oh man yeah 
I, I always, I always feel like there's something to be said for this, like of like every 90 minutes to two minutes when at 90 seconds, to two minutes, whenever they decide to send somebody out next, like you get this, like you get like another shot of like adrenaline or serotonin or whatever. When yeah. the guy comes out. Yeah. You just get a pop uh, for someone new every, every couple of minutes. It's no, it's exciting as hell. I really, really like just the way it lets all of these things happen at once and it finds such a simple way to keep you engaged for such a long time. Mm -hmm. That is, it's, I, I mean, it truly is ingenious in its simplicity, I think. Oh, totally, totally. And, like, it's all the chaos of a battle royal, but, like, it never gets as it never gets as cluttered as a battle royal does because at the start when you have just, like, 20 men in the ring together, like, yep. there's no room for anybody to do anything, and they're just kind of punching each other. And then, like, when it clears out, okay, that's when you can do cool stuff. But, you know, yeah. in, a, in a Royal Rumble, you can always do cool stuff because there's never too, too many people in the ring again that pacing and i mean i've i've talked about this when we did aztec warfare i talked i talked about this with you when we were watching just now but like what's really what's really um brilliant about this too as as much as i you know will kind of laugh at it is yeah the timers are bogus but it gives you like 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 there there comes a point where you just stop caring because they're good about how they pace this shit out um, mm -hmm. and they know when they, they seem to have a really great sense for when the right time to have those big pops hit is mm -hmm. they, they, uh, they're really, um, they're really strong on that one of just, of, of creating, cre creating, creating the moment of, of another surprise at just the right time. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just nice. Yeah. It's yep. Yeah, totally. It's great, but we'll get to that. Uh, we're going to start from the top of the show and move on down. Is we have we get an intro video package. Uh, it's a lot of like it's pretty generic stuff. Not really thing interesting in it. They do repeat like the the uh, commercials they've been running, where like to hype the fact that they're in Madison Square Garden. Like they have the wrestlers all fighting in the New York subway. Mm -hmm. Oh the yeah, subway car. It's so it's so goofy, but I mean they they love. They love showing off how they're at MSG. Yep. So when we get to our first match of the evening, a match we did not watch, it was Ric Flair versus MVP. Uh, four in a career-threatening match. If Ric Flair loses, he must retire. And from what I'm aware of, the match is pretty solid. Ric Flair escapes again by MVP, gets the pin on him, but Ric Flair gets his foot on the ropes. Yes. Yeah, he uh uh he's getting those unclean wins, baby. Yeah. He's just squeaking by, but he's able to eventually get the pin on MVP and he is still his career's not over yet. Mm -mm. It's weird looking at back at this story. It, I say that as if like the result of the story is an obvious. It all pays yeah. off at WrestleMania, and of course it does. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's so, going to drop at some point, right? Yeah, but it feels it feels weird. It feels kind of neat to like watch that storyline go out instead of just like 
hearing about why well, having only watched the end result match. Yeah. But there was I, 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 I was thinking I was thinking about this too. I think it'd be really, really cool if you could do like like obviously they went kind of long form with this, but I'd love I, I think it'd be really cool if you could do like a super long form angle where a wrestler has like a decent bit of knowledge that sometime in the decently near future they wanna retire. Mm-hmm. And you you create a stipulation like that where as soon as you lose a match, that's when your retirement is going to be. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be awesome to just give a wrestler that stipulation and then just have him go on like a fucking insane winning streak and just not not drop, not lose, and then just one random match uh, with with someone, with some up-and-comer or some, you know, so, someone mm-hmm. that feels appropriate to pass the torch off to. They just, something slips and they and they just drop and they surrender. And I, f- I feel like if you could do something super long form, like a year plus worth of storytelling with that, that would be insane. Yeah, depending on who it is, could totally work. Uh, I, yeah. I could see some, I could see something like working like that with like Brian Danielson. Because oh, I think yeah. I think it's also got to be someone who can really like put on some bangers if he's going to be unbeaten for that long. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really like I, I've I've realized the thing I like about winning streaks, and that's why I kind of came up with this idea, and kind of why I respect what they did with the end of Flair's career here was I really like the the anticipation that a winning streak gives you because you know at some point it's going to be broken mm-hmm. i think that's the really cool thing about winning streaks and acknowledging that and putting a stipulation on the end of the winning streak making its inevitability all that more impactful yeah it's given credit that's a really ingenious way to send out to send out a legend like flair Yep, it's a pretty awesome storyline in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we get our first backstage video of the night where Vince is is backstage with his son Hornswoggle. Yeah, um, Vince's you can't trust anyone posting at Swoggle. Mm-hmm. And also being weird to Swoggle, like, he's like, you are my only illegitimate bastard. And then he, like, looks down, essentially at Hornswoggle's crotch, and looks back yeah, up. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. As yeah, I don't know what that was about. Questioning whether Hornswoggle is in fact a male? Yeah, I don't I don't get that one either. I was like, what are you doing? I feel like I feel like WWE with Hornswoggle and with wrestlers like Hornswoggle that are uh different, they just kind of have this blanket code of we're going to treat you like a freak in all respects. And that is, and, and just not think about how any of that comes across as portraying someone of, of like disability status or anything else. Well, there's not a whole lot of evidence to suggest otherwise. Well, yeah, because like with Hornswoggle, like they don't just go in on short jokes. Short jokes are kind of like the tamest thing they do with Hornswoggle. They just make him fucking weird and do all this weird shit with him as just, a, as just a code of just a long form code of look at this freak. Ha ha ha. Yeah. What? Yeah, it was it's it was a whole lot of great. Glad that that's what we're taking time with here. Mm. Moving on, we get to the first match that we watched of this episode. Chris Jericho 
versus JBL. Yeah, off the bat, I made this comment to Austin. JBL just looks like a slightly inflated version of Jericho. Like it looks like he took a like like a, a JPEG or a PNG or whatever of Jericho and just kind of like grabbed the corner of it and 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 dragged it diagonally mm-hmm. upward a little bit. Yeah, they do have very similar skin tones and then body structures. Just JBL and is even, and even and kind of like flabbier. head shapes a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we get the video package kind of detailing a lot of the the stuff that his you know the the choking out stuff, and we get all the audio of him being like, "Talk, your father is a is a coward." Your father, yeah they. They really made sure to display how goddamn ridiculous the... Well, I mean, they clearly don't find it ridiculous. But just, wh- why are we bringing Jericho's kids into this? Why is Jericho so offended by that? No way in fuck that Jericho's kid actually said, Daddy, is it true? Are you a cat? Like, get out of here. It's so goofy, but they're treating it with this utmost grim dark seriousness i i it's it's so this is an intense blood feud i tell you yeah clearly intense by the daddy is it true are you a coward thing fuck what good times uh so the match itself uh i liked it more than i thought i would because i'll be honest not a big fan of jbl as a wrestler yeah um, he doesn't seem all that technically proficient. Nah, very slow, very plotting, very punch you a lot. But it is made up for by sheer intensity by the end of the match. I would say, I would say a decent amount. Uh, I'd say, I'd say the whole match is pretty solid because the first mm-hmm. little bit is just Jericho throwing JBL the fuck around. Mm-hmm. JBL, JBL just starts off getting duded real good by Jericho, but he catches a second win. And immediately is like, fuck your throat. I'm getting rid of your throat. I hate Fozzie, and I don't want you to sing it anymore. <laughs> J- JBL, not a big Fozzie guy. Not a, not a big Fozzie. He, 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 takes, he takes umbrage with Jericho on lead vocals at the very least. So he's trying to, you know, he's, he's taking the initiative to eliminate that problem from his life. Sure, sure. Like, we get some cool stuff where JBL, like, forces Jericho's throat down on the bottom rope, which is technically oh, not a chokehold. No, it's not. Technically. This yeah, is true. but he, he just going for the throat literally all the time, and eventually he chucks Jericho into the ring post, and that uh, busts Jericho open. So now oh, yeah. he spends the rest of the match bleeding all over the place. Jericho blades hardcore in this one, dude. It's it, he goes, he go, he he cut deep. That, that there was red fucking all down his chest for the rest of the match. Yeah, it was insane. And from there, it just kind of like they just kind of keep beating the fuck out of each other. To be honest. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, things things stay intense. It this is where I do feel the blood feud of it. And yeah, I'll be honest, it is effective, even if the setup's goofy as shit. In ring, these are two men that are playing quite convincingly that they despise each other. Mm-hmm. Jericho especially, because motherfucker gets himself eliminated on a DQ because 
he he gets taken he gets taken out of the ring by JBL. JBL's throwing him into the announcer table because of course we got to do that spot. And it looks right. like he's about to do more shit with Jericho and announcer table. Uh, but Jericho pops out with a steel chair and whacks him over the head. Right, which is a very much a DQ. Very much a DQ. Um, but also Jericho don't give a fuck because he just no, keeps wailing on the guy anyway. No, he chucks him in his face again. And yep. then he grabs a production cable and does to JBL what JBL done to him. Hanging spot. We love a good hanging I, spot. I have not seen a good hanging spot in a while. Fuck no. I mean, yes. I don't think I've seen a hanging spot ever. No, uh, I think last time I saw one was I watched a, an indie match with Sue Young where she hung someone from the like second ba- from the balcony in a high school gym. Pretty Shit. sure it was the last time I saw a hanging spot. I I have been very happy to discover that Hangman got his nickname from doing a hanging spot in Michigan. I was very oh yes, I forgot one. I told you about that. Yeah, yeah, baby. Yep. Fun, the more the more you know. Yeah, true, true. Yep. Yeah, no, but he 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 just he keeps wailing on him. Uh, no, he... and that that hanging spot I have to say was brutal that one yeah dude yeah he like he hooks him around he hooks it around jbl's neck and then he goes he gets out of the ring and he starts like using the ring ropes as leverage to hook harder and then he backs all the way up into the announce table and gets on the announce table and starts pulling from there yeah yeah and dude looks like he's struggling i don't know how the hell you fake a spot like that but that's insane Mm -hmm. I think I, I think you do that by not having it very tight around your neck. I guess so, but damn, he sold that well. I was kind mm. of terrified. Yeah, yeah. Look looks brutal indeed. Yeah. So no. JBL technically wins the match, but also did he really win? In spirit. Yeah, in spirit, I don't know. That was a pretty psychological loss to me. No, so so I have to give him props. I mean, I mean, I, I, I quite enjoy Jericho. I love him. I love him in AEW. He's clearly always been a talented motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, we see why here. His, his in-ring storytelling is, is great. I, I mean, JBL does a good job of it too, um, especially when he's going hard. But I think it was Jericho that really sells the blood feud angle here. He's the mm-hmm. one that just has this glint of sheer hatred in his eye. I mean, he's a, he's a good actor. And he carries it through all to his physicality and it it delivered on a, on a match. I didn't expect to be as intense and invested in as I was. Yep. Uh, So a bit we skipped because it leads into another bit. We skipped later, but we're backstage with Ashley Massaro. Okay. So Ashley Massaro is one of the divas in the, in the divas division. She's a punk rock chick. She has, she has a pink streak in her hair. Uh, and uh her thing is is that she was on survivor the greatest reality game show of all time don't at me true and she and she posed for playboy and they're happy to remind you about both of those things of course they are because what are the divas but sexy lamps who can yeah this is this this is very much of the era where like a wwe diva appearing in the play in a playboy magazine spread was an annual thing Jesus. That pretty much only stopped when they went TV PG. Was when that stopped. The small graces of the PG era, am I right? Yeah. So 
Ashley Massaro has been trying to talk to Maria the past couple of weeks, but Maria Canellis is date whose gimmick is she's hot. Remember, this is Divas era stuff here. She's a baby face, so she's hot, and that's it. So she's just a, a generic diva then. Yep. And but Santino is her boyfriend, and Santino wants absolutely nothing to do with whatever Ashley's talking about here. Which we'll get to what he's talk she's talking about later. Cool. But Santino acts like an asshole to Ashley and is like, you can't talk to my girlfriend. Go away. And sure. so we'll come back to it later. Uh, then we get the next match of the evening, Edge versus Rey Mysterio for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, yeah, this one. This one. Oh, mm. this one. Yep. Look, I love me some Rey. I don't get to see nearly enough of him ever and man did he deliver yep very fun match so yeah you know edge he edge comes out with his whole posse of people <laughs> vicky was there the yeah. edge heads were there good times uh yeah no uh the edge heads who just they look like they look like dollar store versions of Edge himself, which I think is yep. really funny. Also, I was noting this to Austin. It's wild to see Vicky pre like mind break. She's actually yeah, like this is, sweet. This is before, this is before Vicky went full in on just yelling "excuse me" a lot. Or now that she can't say that anymore, now that she's in AEW, just screaming in general. Yep. No, this uh, is a Vicky who like talks at a normal volume and like smiles a, a, a wholesome smile a non-evil smile what that that what could have corrupted her to become what could have caused her to become the way she is now <laughs> middle management that could be it yes <laughs> so out outcomes ray uh and booyaka, booyaka. and the match is just a really good back and forth between oh, the it's two a, I, I mean i mean it's a banger i i know i'm biased Ray, I think, is the MVP. Carries this thing a little more than a little more than Edge. Just like, like, like Edge puts up a good show. I will, I will give him that. Edge puts a pretty mm. good show, and and he's he works. Obviously, his in ring chemistry with Ray is, is off the charts. But just goddamn, Ray elevates everything he does. The way that boy flies, the way that boy moves. He, th they do this whole spot. Where Edge is, he's going for the legs because Ray is one of those leggy boys who relies on his legs to do leggy things in the match. So he's he's going for the legs and he, he kind of hobbles one of his knees and 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 Ray's Ray's limp and he's struggling, but he fucking manages to do all these crazy one leg spots where he he just like pops up the leg and yeet and like 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 uh, Edge has got him by one leg and and Ray just kind of whips himself around in air to, to get him across the head with the other leg. I'm like, how the hell do you do that? You inhuman mm -hmm. madman. Yeah. I was, I was going to say he does carry a lot of like the big story beat of the match of that. He injured that edge manages to injure Ray's leg. And so he spends a lot of the match limping and props to Ray. It's, it's not easy and not always done well to have someone kind of carry forward that injury, the entire match with their physicality, but he pulled it off. You, he was pretty. He was pretty consistently limping around. Damn, it's almost like Ray's a really good physical performer or something. 
crazy thought. Yeah, imagine my uh, shock. It all kind of comes to a head when at one point Rey Mysterio hits the 619. The 619! And he got the West Coast pop, and he's going for the win. And But Vicky Guerrero, who technically, I guess, doesn't need that wheelchair, she just yeah. pops on up, and she pulls the referee out of the match. Yeah, I know. To avoid him counting the pin. Yeah, the, what the fuck? I literally just have in my notes in all caps, fuck you, Vicky. Yeah, I have no idea what Vicky's injury is supposed to be, but well, okay. Yeah, why is she in a neck brace half the time and also in a wheelchair? Like, they seem to be going for some weird, like, protect the sweet Vicky angle, but I don't, like, what? Yeah, I, I wasn't watching when they started this storyline with her, so I have no idea what they say her injuries were supposed to be. And the fact they care, I don't know. But but yeah, she she attacks the ref of all people, mm. and the ref is like, "What the fuck?" Which how how was that not a DQ? I don't know. That's usually not like pulling a referee out of the ring. It usually doesn't. Uh, um, the ref uh, got physically warranted. injured though. Like she fucking swept him off his feet, and he his mm. head planted into that ring. I don't know why he didn't call for the bell right there, but whatever. It, it usually doesn't. I'm not sure why it probably is a decubable offense. So Ray is just like, oh, what happens is Ray gets up and then Edge goes for the spear and Ray jumps over him and yeah. is pretty what? sick. And what? so Edge falls onto the middle rope again. And so Ray's like, I guess I'll just do the 619 again. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of like he he kind of shrugs and he's like, okay, and and Vicky, but Vicky's starting to get up onto the onto the the ring a yeah, little she, bit from, she, from the outside. She protects her man. She tries to protect her man, but in the process, Ray hits the six one nine, and on both of them, their heads fucking together, and ah, oh, they kiss. Ah, mm-hmm. it's so, so cute. he not he mostly knocks Vicky out then, and so he goes for his the West Coast pop. The, and he, he jumps up and Edge spears him out of midair. That yeah, that was insane too. I mean, again, props to Edge is also clearly really talented. It shows here. God damn, that was cool. Yeah. So he pins Ray one, two, three, and Edge by hook and by crook is champion still. Yep. Gotta get uh, unfortunate, but uh I guess we can never show too much respect to my boy. Am I right? Why? Yeah, why would sorry. we ever give Ray a title? Yeah, sorry. Edge has Edge. I've already seen Edge's future with this title belt. It it's not it's not Ray that's going to get him back. God damn it! Mm-hmm. Of course not. Well, but you know what? fuck you, Edge. Ray has a zillion times more longevity than you. So who's the real winner at the end of the day? Get fucked. <laughs> uh, so then after that, after the match, we get a lot, we get a prolonged sequence of them, of the edge and the edge heads tending to Vicky and getting her back in the wheelchair and just. Yeah. yeah she's in the wheelchair now, baby. Her poor injured neck. No, not my neck. All Weird. right. After that, we get a backstage bit in the men's locker room. Good old Ric Flair coming out in the towel only. And first he is accosted by Ken Kennedy. Yeah, Kennedy tries to taunt him and Rick just shakes it off. Yeah, 
Kenny, Kenny takes the long way round to say yeah. that he's going to retire Ric Flair. Yeah, mucho texto on that one. Need to work mm-hmm. on, on your on your brevity a little bit there, buddy. He takes so long, Shawn Michaels shows up to interfere. They're interrupted. He does, he does manage to make some comment about the woo spot, but it's mm-hmm. dumb. And it doesn't, yeah. even, it doesn't even land. And, and Rick's like, yeah, okay, kid, whatever. Yeah, so Shawn Michaels shoots him off. And before he and before we continue on, Shawn Michaels makes a dig at Ric Flair. He goes, cocky, arrogant kid like that with platinum blonde hair and a catchphrase. <laughs> Kids these days, that gimmick will never get over. And I was like, yeah. hey, and, now. And Rick's just like, Rick's just like ah, man, nah, no way. Um, yeah. uh, but we get some like we actually get some like wholesome posting between Flair and HBK for a second. Like they're they're just they're just vibing. They're they're saying they're complimenting each other. Yeah, and then. And then Hunter shows up. And now Batista shows up first. Oh, but you no, know, Batista shows up to to what? Basically, say fuck you to just, HBK. Well, he was there for Flair because he hugs Flair. Oh, 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 yeah. And Tri- Hunter though shows Triple H shows up though to make this awkward because, like, because of the dissolution of Evolution, which is the stable of Randy Batista, uh, Triple H, and Ric Flair, like. In the aftermath of that, Triple H is still friends with Flair, and Batista is still friends with Ric Flair. But Batista and Triple H hate each other real bad. God damn, that's so, funny. So that's all very awkward. Uh, Triple H with the worst age joke I've ever heard. Yeah, uh, that's not quite true. I think I've heard a few worse, but it's pretty bad on this one it's of where there. he goes. Rick, as this thing I've said many times, Ric Flair, keep your pants on. Put some pants on. Yeah, that quote did not age well. And Rick just kind of looks down at his town, looks back up, looks just kind of like, ain't I a stinker face? And I wanted to fucking vomit. Yeah, post Dark Side of the Ring, that all, that, that, that joke ooh, age like a moldy ass cheese, baby. Yep. So Triple H and Batista are just kind of like staring at each other intently, looking like they're about to rip each other's throats out here in the locker room. And then Shawn Michaels pops up and is like, hey, guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think we can all agree on one thing. And that is the winner of the Royal Rumble is going to be wearing this brand new shirt from for, uh, available on WWEshop.com. And it's yep. And goddamn Triple H comes back with, if there's one thing I hate, it's shilling. Said the future WWE executive. Yeah, now there's a joke that aged well. There's a joke that aged like a, like a vintage-ass wine, man. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was good. And he just walks off disappointed. <laughs> yeah. He, so like, he, like, 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 like he's morally he's, he's silently dignifiedly morally outraged at hbk trying to fucking show his shirt live on air that he just has to walk away like okay hunter sure yeah. pretend you have those principles so overall i think a lot of some fun bits between yeah. the, between all the guys talk you know yeah. kind of plays on their own histories with each other mm-hmm. And then we get a bit that we skipped, but I watched to make sure I could talk about it, which means I have to, I had to die inside myself. So Santino and Maria Canellis come out. Oh no, what happens is Ashley Massaro comes out to the ring and she is like, I want to talk to Maria about something. And so out comes Maria. And Ashley is like, Maria, I had a con- before I came back to the WWE, I had a conversation with Hugh Hefner. 
and he wants you to pose in Playboy. Do you want to do it? And Maria is like, oh, I don't know. And she asks the crowd, do you guys want to see me do Playboy? What do you think they said? Of course. Uh, no, we, we are looking respectfully, Maria, right? Sure, that's it. Uh-huh. Out comes Santino to be like, oh, no, 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 no. He's very against his girlfriend posing for Playboy, which, fair. And I mean, so like, he... I mean, she wants to do it, like, sure, mm -hmm. but, like, but, like, I don't know, dude. Being on Hugh Hefner's payroll just doesn't sound like a great time, you know? Yeah. But Santino, he, he dismisses the crowd's reaction being like, they're all a bunch of sheep. They'll cheer. He, he said, if you said, uh, who wants hepatitis? They all would have cheered. What? They'll cheer they for cheer? anything, you see? Did, did they, they did cheer? cheer. They did kind of cheer a little bit when he said, when he said, if they, if they come, if you come out and ask if they want hepatitis, they would cheer. There were a few cheers. <laughs> the WWE crowd, very pro hepatitis. <laughs> they know they're, they know they're cheap. strain from what i hear hep b is where it's at all right mm. you know what don't threaten me with a good time of <laughs> so centino then proceeds to make a, a point to, to time to trash the local sports teams because he he are to continue his argument of they'll cheer for anything and he said they have to because all their teams suck so he brings up, I mean, who else do they have to cheer for? The Mets, the Yankees, they are chokers. They are and chokers. the Knicks and the Rangers, they're not even good enough to be chokers. All they have to cheer for is a football team in New Jersey, referring <laughs> to the New York Giants. <laughs> oh, that must have gone over well. Oh, it did. And then he, he talked about, uh, he's like, the New York Giants, they are going to choke in the Super Bowl. I guarantee it. Which age fantastically. Because Did this they? is the year, this is the year in the where the Giants beat the unbeaten Patriots in the Super Bowl. No. No. Yeah. What the fuck? Also, shout out to Santino Morello doing the it's called the Midwest because everything in it is mid-spot. Way, yep. way before MJF. Yep. Uh, but, you know, he, he, he continues to rag on the Giants for a while. And eventually he says that he has brought out a surprise for everybody. Okay. And his surprise is, and I can't believe I have to talk about this guy. It is Big Dick Johnson in Patriots gear. So who is Big Dick Johnson, you might ask? Dick Big Cock Johnson. <laughs> no, it's not Dick the Cock Johnson. That's totally different. It's Big Dick Johnson. So uh, BDJ, 
is, I guess, a wrestler, sort of. He doesn't wrestle very often. He's usually just here for these fucking bits where he shows up in, like, a thong and no shirt, even though this time he wears a half a crow, a, a half-cut jersey. And he just shakes his near-naked ass around to be gross as a comedy bit. And in this case, he is dressed up in New England Patriots gear with a 19 and 0 Patriots a 19 and 0 and a Patriots logo on his ass. So he shows up to be stupid and make fun of the Giants some more and then Ashley Massaro kicks his ass and that's the end of the segment. Okay. So a few things. One I talked last time about how being in Montreal just it, it seems to be a source of nuclear tier heat for WWE. But I do have to I do have to say I I applaud them for building close to that level of energy by I'm sure constantly ragging on all of their biggest sports teams. Mm-hmm. New Yorkers especially don't take kindly to that. No, they don't. I say as a member of Bill's Mafia. I know it's not technically New York, New York, but I don't care. It still counts. Also, I really, really have to wonder if if Santino's, to, to skip ahead and spoil something real quick, Santino's like, once again, insanely short elimination from the Royal Rumble was accepted quite well by the crowd because of that and they did it to justify santino getting out within mere seconds to just get fucking over with the crowd real quick Poss- possibly possibly yeah you never know all but, but yes and, and also also what i just wwe can can we talk you you seem to have this this obsession this complex if you will about the male ass and how stinky and big and gross it is now i am not one to armchair psychoanalyze nor am i one to uh to shame one's personal um predilections shall we say but i i I have to wonder if there's a a wwe dub may i call you a bit of projection going on here and I, I i have to wonder if you're truly so disgusted by the bigness and this this the stinkiness and the disgustingness and ugliness of the male ass or if you are rather allured by it if, if you are uh, almost uh, uh aroused by it if, if 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 you dare i say fetishize it I, I i just see this this recurring pattern and and i have to wonder are you okay do you, do you enjoy big, fat, ugly, stinky male WWE? Because you sure seem to feature that shit a lot. An interesting question that I have no desire to really try to analyze. But do you see where I'm coming from? How many times have we talked on this show about when WWE was like, 
Look at this dude with a big fat ass. Isn't it disgusting? Everybody say ew. Okay, fun fact, by the way, Big Dick Johnson would go on to be one of the head writers at Lucha Underground. Chris DeJoseph. He was a writer for the WWE, and he became a writer for Lucha Underground. But he also, while he was a writer at WWE, did these bits as Big Dick Johnson. I... 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 I feel unclean. <laughs> big, big Dick Johnson has helped write for one of my favorite things in all of wrestling. Yep. You have Big Dick Johnson to, to credit, to thank for your Felucia Underground. I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> Why? Okay. Well, I get to now proceed in my life knowing that little tidbit. Yeah. Thank I, you. Yeah, I just figure if you have, if I have to know, so do you. Thanks. I All hate right. it. All right. Uh, a bit that I kept in because I personally thought it was funny and then David <laughs> ruined it all. Uh, yeah, so baby. We, so we have a commercial for WrestleMania upcoming. And it has Kelly Kelly as a lifeguard and some schlubby dude deciding that he's going to get her to do CPR on him by faking drowning. And so she does it and she does the Baywalk run. Also, they're doing Kelly Kelly doing Baywatch, but they have like explicitly SpongeBob ass sound. They do music have the SpongeBob Beach music. Like, I almost have to wonder if that's, like, fucking Roger Bumpus or something, or whoever the hell it is that plays Patrick. Because, mm. like, dude, I, I don't know why they went for that that sound, but okay. Okay. So, he gets, so, plan succeeds. She's, like, doing the compressions, and she's about to do CPR. <laughs> and just before she does mouth-to-mouth... May Young runs up as a lifeguard. She's like, I'll handle this. Tosses Kelly Kelly off. And she gives, and and grandma ass May Young gives the man CPR. uh, Well, okay. But also they do it as she's now the one perving on it. Because you fucking like, we get a POV shot. Of oh May, yeah, of May uh, Young it ends on with top. him. It ends, like, also mm-hmm. ends with him running away from her. He's he, <laughs> which uh, I, I, another weird thing that the WWE seems to have a weird complex about is sexualizing their their older stars with Moolah trying to strip at the Christmas party and May Young trying to fuck this dude at the beach. There are a lot of May Young and the Fabulous Moolah have a ton of bits in the WWE about that that all kind of relate around. They are trying to let their sexuality flags fly, and everyone else is like grossed out and is like, "Please, dear God, no!" See, if this were my company, I'd play that bit. I'd play that bit unironically and be like, "Look at how base this is," but like. 
but but WWE isn't, and it's like, ew, old ladies are horny. Fuck you. Let them have let them have their vibrant sex life in their eighties. Don't don't you fucking judge. I I want I want to see how you feel when people are acting like that toward you when you're when you're eighty, mm-hmm. motherfucker. Don't 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 goddamn even. No. Yeah. The- the fucking the fucking uh but also but also hey austin austin oh my god what look at me me. this this is my bit now they they bad cpr may i just may i just say may i just say uh, you do not you do not do rotations by throwing someone off between compressions and breaths you you at the very least communicate but come on guys be better than this. I will take away your certification. Personally. This is Fuck just away. for a bit. I don't think I either don't of them are actually, I don't think either of them are actually certified. I don't care. This is my way of coping with this dumb bullshit. Is by ruining it with my lifeguard cert when I can, okay? I want to uh, feel important. Oh, for God's sake. I, I am I am the bit ever now. Uh, anyway, <laughs> next is Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy. Ways to make you suffer, bitch. Anyway, WWE Championship, and we didn't watch it, and Orton wins. Okay, goodbye. Yeah, go whoop de do, everyone. Oh, I forgot to mention this before we move on to the Royal Rumble. Is we as we had earlier in the show the debut of Mike Adamley to the WWE Broadcasting Group. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Debut? They said they'd worked with him before. Oh, back in, in, in the XFL. In the okay, fair enough. He, Mag Adamley used was a professional football player in the 1970s, and he transitioned into a broadcasting career again. As he meant, as mentioned on the show, their first experience working with him is he was a big part of the XFL in 2002, and sure. then here in 2008 he joins the WWE broadcasting booth. Um. It's kind of weird to look at Mike Adamley and his career, his tenure in the WWE because it's basically like it's characterized by the fact that he made a lot, and I mean a lot of errors in misspe in misspeaking names and misremembering names, and just wasn't great at commentary. But the thing is, is that uh, in 2017 he was officially diagnosed with dementia. And he also has suffered from epilepsy for the last 20 years, uh, presumably. And he kind of attributes that to his football career, concussions, CTE, yeah, great probably. stuff. So it's like, it feels weird to talk about Adam Lee because it feels like you're dunking on a guy who was probably suffering early stage dementia when he was he doing does. these, when he was doing the working for the WWE. Woof. We'll we'll always have him calling Jeff Hardy Jeff Harvey. <laughs> oh no. Anyway, we move on to the Royal Rumble match. Starting, of yes. course, with the Rumble by the numbers. All the fanfare you said, all the fanfare at the before and after is quite important, and we got some book of numbers, baby. Oh yeah, baby, you wanted to know. How many men have been in the Royal Rumble? 569. Uh, nice. How many men? Ha- how how who has lasted the longest in the Royal Rumble? That would be Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio. Who has lasted the least amount of time? That would be the Warlord, lasting two seconds. Until Santino Morello beats him. 
Yep. Uh, who has won the most Royal Rumbles? That would be Stone Cold Steve Austin at three. He, uh, other people who have won multiple Rumbles are Hulk Hogan at two and Shawn Michaels at two. Understandable. Have a nice day. Yeah. Um, who, you know, they throw out all these numbers of like, you know, who, what is the best position to win the Royal Rumble for? They talk about how, despite the numerical odds that 30 would be better than one, more mm-hmm. people have won from number one, two, uh, Shawn Michaels and <clears throat> uh, somebody don't think, don't ask me about it. Um, and, um, uh, Chris Ben <laughs> have won from number one. But only one man, The Undertaker, has won from number 30. Damn. And they threw out, who ha- what is the best number to win from then? 27. Four men. Uh, Big John Studd, Yokozuna, Bret Hart, and Stone Cold Steve Austin have all won from number 27. Fuck yeah. Yep. So... Again, they have stat. They have like a, it's a whole like five minute video, two or three minute video of just like Fair. Royal Rumble stats, and I love it. They do these every year. It's always fun to read to watch them. Yep. Yeah. No. I mean, I it's a cool little piece of uh, tidbit trivia. I, I quite enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, but then we get into the ring, and it starts. They got Michael Buffer. Yeah. This show. We got Buffer. Say the line, Buffer. Yeah, he gives his usual spiel, and he says yeah, he, he, he gave a whole ass spiel. I, I forgot did. how much how much Buffer goes on before he does the bit. Yeah. Fun fact: I actually wasn't familiar with Michael Buffer's shtick until after I'd seen the DX parody of it. So, like, Degeneration X starts doing a parody version of this, where they're like, where they do the exact same. Um, uh, for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching at home, let's get ready to suck it! Oh my god! Uh, oh they did that my... bit, and I had no idea it was a Michael Buffer bit until after I was familiar with the DX one. Fucking hell! That's Anywho, Buffer announces the Nazis. Let's get ready to rumble! Everyone, everyone pops for it. I do have to say, people like say it along, and while I, while I get it, I could never fathom being in the same room as Michael Buffer and saying the thing along with him. Because like, mm-hmm. damn, I just, I just want to like take it in, soak it in live, like with all of my ear power, not waste, not waste that here in my own damn voice. That yeah. I, 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 it's wild. I, I get it, wanting to recite along, but damn, I always feel like disrespectful. I don't know. I get it. Uh, so number one in the Royal Rumble is the Undertaker. Yeah, we start off strong with Taker. He he mm-hmm. shows up number one, and HBK is close behind it. Number two. What a fucking way to start this match. Oh yeah, two of the top guys in WWE. Two people you could have considered a favorite to win the match. Coming out one yeah. and two. Oh, oh, and they they show that these guys these guys give a strong fucking show. The two of mm-hmm. them they serve uh, as this kind of really great early through line uh, mm-hmm. centerpiece for the match. They they start off it's just the two of them. The next two people that that show up are uh, Santino and uh, the great Kali, uh, Santino and Kali at four. 
both of them get dispatched up within moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it just it just take her and and Michaels go right back to fighting each other. And even as more people come in and they're not so easily dispatched, Taker versus Michaels is the centerpiece for the entirety of their of their shared time in the ring for this one. I think it's I, I think it's a really awesome. I I, I think it's it, it's the 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 Rumble is interesting because we were talking earlier about how it paces itself in this really in this really nice way and the way it's structured lends itself to this kind of continual feed of serotonin and and uh and uh, adrenaline what have you pops but the, yeah the, the the pops are are plenty our our cup poppeth over um no but on top of that there is this this phenomena of there's so much going on that it gives you a lot to fixate on kind of i imagine one of the other things that that appeals about this is that you can kind of pick and choose what you're really honing in on while you watch. And I think providing a centerpiece of the two guys that are, you know, they'll go off and fight other people, but Mm -hmm. at at the end of the day, they're coming back to each other to try to get those digs and try to be the one to push the other out. I think that is a really brilliant choice structurally of it's, it's almost like you got, you got something going on in the corner or in the center, and then it builds up to all this other shit going on in the corners and it, it allows you to jump from thing to thing to thing while still feeling the sense of cohesion for the story mm-hmm. of the match i think again brilliant yeah. storytelling yeah fantastic stuff but <clears throat> but yes santino morella comes out at number three and is thrown out near immediately yeah it, we do get a funny bit of Santina Santino trying to like decide which way he's going to attack because he's kind of sees trouble both ways, uh-huh. <laughs> and it doesn't work out for him. Then the great Kali comes out. Uh, I noted that they the, the Madison Square Garden crowd, the snarky smarky crowd that New York is, gives Kali you can't wrestle chance. Yeah, what the fuck. And then Kali and, and Taker, they do a big they dual do a choke. choke spot, and then Taker tosses him. Get out. Yeah, I got really excited when I saw Kali because I forgot that he was featured in our first Christmas special. And I was like, oh, wait, that guy. And then he just got almost immediately taken out by the yeah. by, by losing the, the choke slam off. Like, oh, rip, rip, I guess. I have I, some, I ho- sure I have some soft good. spot for great Kali, so I was a little sad to see him go so fast. Yeah, no, like he seems like a, he seems like a good sweet boy, and and I, I I don't know. I thought it would be fun to get like a big dude to in the ring to stick around early on, but I guess not. I guess we got to get mm-hmm. Kali out of there, whatever. Yeah. So then next up is Hardcore Bob Holly is number five, and he he is there to break the monotony of like new guy comes in gets thrown out, so we can go back to Sean versus Taker. Yeah, he, no. He comes in hard and fast, and he's able to kind of get hits on them both of them, and keep and keep himself in the ring until the next people come out. Yeah, he gives a strong showing throughout. He proves, I mean, for the grizzled veteran character that he is, I mean, he clearly still has a lot of capability in in ring, and and that and that shows. He gives he gives uh, especially HBK a run for his money on multiple occasions. Yeah. So the number six is is our boy from Lucha Underground, John Morrison. Yeah, we got Johnny Mundo back. Yep. 
and he's and he and I, I I'm very happy to see that even in his early days he has that he has that shit around his ankles on his on his. Oh yeah, pants. dude's always got them furry boots. Yeah, the fur the furry boots that always make me feel like he's a Clydesdale horse. <laughs> so yeah, Joe Jomo he spends a lot of this match like just barely not getting eliminated. It was pretty yeah, sweet. but. He, he gets he gets some good spots out of it though. He I, I mean Lakey Boy legs it up once again, and he he the 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 just barely getting limited. It makes it sound like he's a bit of a chump, but what it really is is he finds all these ways to get almost thrown, but he but he finds some new creative way to hang on and heat himself back in. I yep. mean God, that I did not expect him to last as long as he did in, in that match. I thought this is a newer guy. No one fucking at WWE cares all that much about John Morrison, but no, like he got yeah. to stick around for a while and he proved that he proved a strong contender. John Morrison has the fourth longest time in the Royal Rumble this in this match. He lasted 29 minutes 23 seconds. I will be bringing up who came in the longest when we get there. Yeah, well, the thing is like the uh I I mean, I have to imagine part of that is like He's a fucking reliable worker, even if yeah. even if they, no one ever made a big push for him. Kid's mm-hmm. obviously got he's got energy and stamina mm-hmm. and and capability for days. No wonder you're gonna keep him in. Yeah, and so number seven is Tommy Dreamer, yeah, and the crowd explodes for Tommy. The the big ECW fans, I take it. Yeah, yeah. East, I mean, New York, right in the heart of where ECW was, alongside Philadelphia. Which so, is which is funny because you know. because back in territory days, WWE was the one that ruled New York. But sure. Oh yeah, you know, territory days. They had told ECW to scram. Yeah. Oh, how the turntables. Yeah. Yep. But mm. you know, EC Dub, EC Dub, EC Dub. Tom, and to be fair, Tommy Dreamer gets name chance himself. People chant for his name, and he just kind of goes to town on everybody. Yeah, he gets true. a lot of good hits in. He did better than I thought he would. Seriously, I was, I was in, I, I was, I was decently impressed. It was certainly a better showing than what we got with him fucking last week. But yeah, uh, like, like yeah. I, like I said, last week was not a was not going to be a good a good experience for of Tommy Dreamer. So it was good to see though that he can do the thing. Although he does get a decently quick elimination, if I recall, still he gets some pretty good spots. He in gets he, he gets out he gets out within four minute within like before the neck before the ninth person comes out, and he was seventh. But I mean, for what for when he was in there, he was a highlight. Yeah, no, he he really he really uh he really added something new to the match. So I appreciate I appreciate yeah. that. And yeah, I'm I'm sure more dreamer in ECW I'll I'll really get a kick out of him there. So yeah, we uh small small uh spoilers uh a, a, a preview of uh, next couple episodes is our ECW arc. Tommy Dreamer is a main player in the ECW arc we're about to do. So we're going to get plenty of time to get an opinion on Tommy Dreamer in his prime. But out number eight is Batista, the animal. And he just immediately comes in and starts wrecking house. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, once you release Batista. I mean, Batista, like like we've talked about a little bit before, Batista seems like he's always been billed in WWE as this giganto monster whomst must be felled he mm-hmm. and, and i mean i mean he he plays he plays it up well it is it is always funny to me to see 
to see this dude then go on to be like the goofiest member of Guardians of the Galaxy, but very, uh, very true. Uh, he's got range, I guess. No, but but seriously, Batista, of course, phenomenal showing the whole time. Dude mm. is wrecking shit left yeah. and right. This which, guy, which I will note, is Batista did have the longest. He is the Iron Man, so to speak, of this Ooh. Royal Rumble match. He lasted thirty-seven minutes and forty-six seconds. Hey, you ain't got fucking nothing on Rey Mysterio. Am I right, though, baby? Hey, yeah, yeah. But the animal is here. He throws out Dreamer, and so yeah. that is that. Uh, but then number nine, Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle. And see, here's the thing. I got actually kind mm. of excited for a second because I, I was hoping beyond hope that maybe they were going to actually kind of take Hornswoggle seriously. And, like, he actually got, much to my very pleasant surprise, a pretty sizable pop. People were happy to see Hornswoggle. People do like Hornswoggle. And, like, I kind of thought we'd see the tadpole splash. That's his finishing move. It's like a frog splash, but because he's small, it's the tadpole splash. Uh, but like, I, I did kind of expect maybe to see a couple of moves from him at least. Not long, but you, not very many, but, you know, a couple. Yeah, but, no, like, I did enjoy the respect the crowd was throwing on him, though. So, yeah. like, credit for that, but, but yeah. So, basically, he never really gets in the ring. He kind of immediately well, hides too, under. He, 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 he comes out, and everyone in the ring just kind of stops and are like, oh, what is he doing here? Oh, little, ho oh, oh. like, oh, I kinda, I read I read that more as, like, <laughs> they were like, oh, easy target. Oh, I, I, I read That's that. That's how I read like, it, personally. Oh, well, either way, fuck off. Yeah, so Hornswoggle sees this, doesn't like it, and so he hops under, hides under the ring, and he pretty much stays there most of the match. I'll, I wrote in my notes when he comes back, and that's about it. Yeah. So they all, everybody all gets back to fighting, and then number ten, Chuck Palumbo. Uh, clearly going through a midlife crisis because he's dyed his hair jet black and is wearing a goddamn bandana. Yep looking real bad uh i wrote i wrote a note about john morrison hanging on so i assume he was doing something particularly impressive to not get eliminated at this point but you know as you say he does that all the whole match so i don't quite remember exactly what he did to avoid getting I, yeah I, I, I don't know yeah uh number 11 was jamie noble and he's injured but by god he's got to get a piece of palumbo Oh, so, he, he beelines for Palumbo. He has a bone to pick, which I feel like Royal Rumble isn't always the best place to go bone picking. But I, I, I mean, I'm because there's a lot of dudes everywhere. Yeah, wow, it's almost like it's not a great place for for a really solid one on one showdown. But sure, whatever. Yeah, so they brawl out in the corner and brawl out in the ring. It's actually all right, but then uh, Palumbo just tosses Noble out. Noble lasts about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, rip, rip, noble. Fuck. And yeah. and not long, not long after. He's not actually using that music yet, but Punk is here. Yeah. DM Punk is number 12. Uh, he starts going at it. And uh, I wrote a sick clothesline to Punk on a bulldog. Is because at one point CM Punk is doing his bulldog to a move to Shawn Michaels and Undertaker just close lines in middle mid move. Oh yeah. That was a really cool. I mean, I mean, it's always cool to watch Taker catch someone in the middle of something just cause he's so fucking mm -hmm. hulking. Right. Um, but 
the other thing is Punk shows up and pretty quickly dispatches Palumbo. He does. He he throws Palumbo out. Palumbo like does the the tries. He hangs onto the ropes and then CM Punk just knees him in the face and and sends him out and sends him packing. Which oh, wait, do I have this? Do I have this? Like there was a really cool um, spot. I thought it might have been the the um, Punk Palumbo thing, wasn't it? Was this the part where like Punk almost gets thrown out and but he catches himself and gets uh like 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 pulls himself back up? Palumbo knocks him down again. He pulls himself back up again and then throws him down the other way. Is that, or is that something? I don't think Pal- I don't think that happened with Palumbo. That I was think Palumbo was a was, I don't know if I can was find my... straightforward. I, I I don't know. I somewhere I I had this great. Oh no, that was later. Okay, I know I know what it is now. Never mind. Never mind. We'll okay, bring it up. Uh, number thirteen, adrenaline in my soul. Number thirteen something, is something, Cody, Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. Yeah, Cody Rhodes. Little baby Cody Rhodes is number thirteen. Who uh, pre pre bleach blonding? Yeah, I was, I was about neck to say, tattoo. Um, uh, has a has a, uh, a shocking amount in common with Chuck Palumbo, uh, which is to say I am also jarred by having ha- him having brunette hair rather than blonde. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> apparently HBK uh, got real close to elimination. I mean, HBK was also showing off his <laughs> ability. The shows that he can still be like the guy who barely, who almost gets eliminated, but just barely hangs on. He was kind of the OG of that. Like, I've made mentioned of skinning the cat, which is basically where somebody uh, holds on to the top rope and they're like, their whole body is over, but they're holding on to the top rope and they're just barely trying to not touch the floor with their feet. That's called skinning the cat. And Shawn Michaels basically invented that move or at least popularized it. Yeah. That was basically his move when he won his first Royal rumble. But so, you know, I look at it. So, like, HBK is kind of the OG of this, like, oh, almost eliminated, but just barely is hanging on. And he showed in this match he can still hang, even though he's a lot older these days. Yeah, no. I mean, that, well, that was the thing, too. HBK really holds on well, and 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 his fighting holds up fucking well. Mm-hmm. God, that, that man, that man was gifted athletically start to finish. Yep. Uh, I wrote Cody trying real hard to fight The Undertaker. Uh, yeah, okay, that's the really cute spot. I've seen this video, this great, this great video of Cody talking about, like, this Royal Rumble. He's like, my very first one, I was nervous as hell, and I felt the camera on me. And beforehand, I guess, before they went out, he had some convo with Punk about, about like, Punk's like, you gotta, you gotta find a way to get a spot out there. Talk to guys, see what you can do. And, and so... Cody feels the camera on him and he's like, fuck, what do I want to do? And sees Undertaker off beating someone else up. And he goes up and hits Taker. And Taker turns around. He's like, ah oh, shit. Uh he gets caught in the he gets caught in the chokehold. And apparently Taker like whispers to him, like, kick me in the knee. And Cody's mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, okay. And he does. Uh, and then he Taker drops him and goes down a tiny bit. And Taker's like, now drop kick me. <laughs> like, like, 
Like he's a fucking sick masochist asking, asking to be hit. But no, it, it's kind of the sweet story of Taker like giving taking a bump for this brand new kid who had the balls to go after him. Yeah, I, I, yeah. that's such a great spot knowing that. Yep. Number 14 is Umaga. Who just starts wrecking shit. Oh, he does. I, I made note of that. Umaga going to town. God damn. Yeah, he, he throws mm-hmm. he throws a couple guys. Does he throw a couple guys off the bat? Or At this point in time, he only gets one guy out where he goes after Bob Holly and hits him with oh, a Samoan yeah. spike, which yeah. is basically a thumb to the neck, which I would I never want to know what? what that feels like. Ow. So he spikes Bob Holly straight out of the ring. Holly's gone. And then he gets in a fight with Batista. He gets in a big ba- fight with Batista, and that pays off later. Yes, yes, he did. Mm-hmm. But for now, you know. Yep. Number 15, the halfway mark is Snitsky. Yep. Snitsky's I, here. I made specific note. A lot of bits on commentary about how ugly Snitsky is. I didn't even get it. He just looked like a slightly thinner cane. I just, mm-hmm. It doesn't look that bad. No, but you, you got them doing like whole commentary. Because again, there. by the way, there's six commentators in this match as the Raw, SmackDown, and ECW commentators are all doing shit, talking. Like they all just start bouncing off each other, making jokes about Snitsky. Like Taz is like, yeah, you got some mean, ugly sons of guns on Raw. What you got? What's going on over there? And, and JR is like, <laughs> I you know, I wouldn't share a, a subway at midnight with Snitsky. And then, oh, no. I think Joey Styles is the one who says I either Joey Styles or Michael Cole is like, I wouldn't stare a subway at midnight with Snitsky. And JR is like, I, I wouldn't share a subway sandwich at midnight with Snitsky. Yeah, what the fuck? It's why, why are we being so mean to Snitsky? He seems like an okay guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, number 16 is the Miz. In his, yep. his his like butt rocks theme song and crappy pants. I know he did the he he tried to do the John Cena George thing and it just looked even goofier. Yeah, uh, I wrote Miz and Morrison hate Punk. Target him first. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, they literally do. <laughs> yeah, uh, they start double teaming CM Punk immediately, and, and they still uh, it's been a. They spent a decent amount of the match working together, which is like, good job. They do. Although, what really got me is later on, there is one spot where Punk and Morrison are double team on someone, and then immediately look at each other like, ah, shit, and just start towing to town on each other again. Yeah, they're like, hey, wait a minute. Hold up, something. Well, one of these things is not fit here. Uh- <laughs> yeah, number 17, ain't no stopping him now. It's Shelton Benjamin. And uh, uh actually, yeah, so he runs in, he does a move where he leapfrogs up to the top rope, which is pretty dope, and immediately like hits a double move on Miz and Morrison, and then he hits CM Punk with his finishing move, and then Shawn Michaels gives him a super kick and throws him out. Kicks him out pretty of the much. That's it. That's that's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, Rip well. to Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> really added a lot yeah uh number 18 super 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 fly jimmy snooker yeah 
Oh shit, one of our surprise boys. Yes, WWE legend, probable murderer, Jimmy Snuka. Oh no. No. Yeah, I guess I should explain that story for the peeps at home. So, Jimmy Snuka in night in the mid 80s was allegedly murdered his girlfriend at the time and he was investigated for it by the cops but then during one of their police interrogations vince mcmahon came to the police station and incredibly despite despite the and incredibly he would then get off with all charges dropped in that after that meeting and I would ask what what happened, what was said at the meeting. Surely there would be a uh, there would be some sort of um, uh, transcript, but unfortunately, they decided that that meeting wasn't important enough to have a transcript of. So I guess we'll never know. Oh no! How could such an oversight have ever? Happened? <sighs> you know, you know, uh, you know. Hard job policing. Sometimes things just go over your head and sometimes then sometimes sometimes things go under your table <laughs> yes and then he they the case was reopened in the late 2010s but then by that time uh it was ruled that jimmy snooker was too mentally unwell to stand trial and then he died so there is no official ruling one way or the other about what happened well but then. also if he didn't kill jimmy if he didn't kill his girlfriend i would be very fucking surprised uh yeah i mean that sounds like a pretty straightforward thing and again yeah. one has to wonder what kept him from and there is more evidence than i'm saying i'm just trying to be quickly explain what the situation to avoid have to uh make sure make not make this podcast too long <laughs> longer yeah, than it already enough, is enough. going to be today uh but anyway he comes to the ring obviously the crowd loves him because he is a madison square garden legend being one of the big wwf stars of like the 70s and 80s and yeah. you know he he does his bits as best he can. He isn't getting up there in age after all. He looks uh, super fucking old. He does. Uh, we'll talk about somebody looking old in a second. In a second. Yeah, but uh, the only thing I noted is apparently you can't headbutt Fijians either because it's a long-standing tradition in wrestling that headbutting a Samoan is just going to hurt you more than it hurts them. And apparently mm. it, that also helped. That also is true for people from the Fiji islands, which is where Snuka is from because, yeah. uh, because Undertaker tries to headbutt Snuka and Snuka no sells it and Undertaker sells Undertaker sells. That's funny. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Vince just kind of got the ethnicities mixed up. He's like, ah, same mm. difference. Uh, but you know, either either way, fun spot to watch Undertaker actually be the one to, to be on the, the selling end of a no-sell for once. Yeah, but then number 19, hit the bagpipes. It's Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> yeah, and Piper oh shows up and people that go ballistic. Yeah, Piper showing his age, but man, he's got the spirit. He, he, re he really does. Piper Piper seems like he's a, he's a dude who put in 100 110% as long as he could. I mean, 
you, you fucking watch him on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and dude's clearly mm-hmm. got a good sense of humor about himself. Yeah. So Piper and Snuka immediately go at each other because one of Roddy Piper's big breakout uh, rivalries in the WWF was against Jimmy Snuka, where he famously, during a Piper's Pit segment, when he was demeaning Snuka's intelligence, he, you know, because he's an Islander. He's, and so he's like, ah, you want a coconut? And then he clocks Snuka in the head with the coconut. Classic. Yeah. Comedy gold. It's one of Roddy Piper's most famous bits. And so Piper and Snuka just immediately start punching each other like two old grandpas fighting it out. <laughs> they, 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 the, the feud is reborn. They lock eyes, and it's like the old days again. Except you know they're 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 a little bit slower, but but they ain't gonna stop them fighting spirits. Yeah, they try, <laughs> and then like number the coconut. Yeah. And then they try, and number twenty is Kane, who immediately just runs up and throws them both out. <laughs> yeah, I do have to respect that they're like we'll throw the two like old legends, the two random old legends we got for this, like. Uh, in here, one right after the other, and then let them do like a few of of a, a, a minute or so of fun, and then just just get rid of them. We know what their limitations are. <laughs> get pump out, pump, baby. Yep, yep. You pump them in and dump them out. No, no, uh, no questions asked. Super yep. quick. It's all easy. And then number twenty one. He, we, we're gonna be, we're spitting in the face of people who don't want to be cool. Or swapping spit with men who aren't cool up in the air of which one it is. It's Carlito. Uh yeah, baby. And as I noted, he pre-bit his apple because he immediately runs in and spits in Cody's face. Yeah, you know how there's like multicolored mists in <laughs> in, in, in in wrestling that mean different things. I wonder yeah. what the apple mist means. Yeah, what does the apple spit do? Let's it means we're gonna swap app- spit later. <laughs> Yeah, we'll it figure that out later. It's the, it's, it's the pink kryptonite of of the kryptonite. of the mist. Well, because you know the pink crypt, pink kryptonite is the is the joke kryptonite that turns you gay. So <laughs> wait, what? That's very true. By the way, you can look it up, guys. Pink kryptonite. It's what a real the thing. Fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> ah! But also, look. This is wrestling. They don't need help being turned gay, as we have discussed with the esteemed Miss Lefton multiple times. <laughs> yep, very true. Oh, just uh, Marcy, forget them. Anyway. Yeah, so number 22 is is Mrs. Foley's baby boy. I said it before JR did. It's yeah, Mick Foley. <laughs> I know you've JR explained was gonna say before, it. but I know you've explained that spot to me before, but what mm. the fuck? Yeah. Uh, so Mick God. Foley comes out. And he is just, he's going to town. I will say, I though, he never got off Mr. Socko, and I was disappointed. <laughs> Dude, I love, I love seeing Foley in this. Anytime Foley shows up is a great time. I, I just, relative, I just appreciate it. he had a relatively long appearance. Yeah, he just, he didn't have any spots too not so. But mm-hmm. he just had these great little moments of just he, he was just kind of like a side dispatcher. He was just kind of the, the wolf to throw someone to just get extra beaten up. He just kind of spent yeah. most of his time kind of I noticed in the, in this uh, you know one pocket of the other ring or other just kind of like beaten up on whoever the fuck had the misfortune of crossing his path. Yeah, dude dude lasts 11 minutes. Holy shit. 
Yeah. I mean, God, Mick Foley's got stamina, of course, for days. I fucking love that guy. Of course. Number 23, Kennedy. 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 And Kennedy arrives, or Mr. Kennedy, I guess is technically his name. And uh, my only note is that uh, Kennedy fucks around with Taker, finds out. Because, <laughs> well, Taker is the lie. Because Taker is on the ground, it got knocked to the ground at this at some point, and Ken and Mr. Kennedy starts trash talking Taker to his face, and so Taker just sits up and does the chokes on, and then chokes him. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he he tried and failed. Although that does not, he does not get get eliminated for this. He manages no, to stay he intact. he hung around for a little while longer. But I was like, oh boy, can't, Mr. Kennedy, what are you doing? Oh, uh, number 24, yeah. Big Daddy V. God. Uh, Honestly, I was surprised by how little Big Daddy V did in the match. I kind of thought he was going to be like a big, a big cliche of Royal Rumble matches is they'll get a bunch of people in the ring and then they'll get some big dude to show up to just start chucking people out four and five at a time four or five at a time and big daddy v i thought was going to be in that spot in this match and then he didn't do anything no nah, seriously he i mean he he just kind of was there to be big yeah and but uh this is at this point in the match where uh batista gets knocked <clears throat> out of the ring and the comment and they missed it completely on the count on the camera so they had to like replay to see what happened Commentary got so confused. It was a, I love watching commentary get caught off guard. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's like not often you can you see them with their pants down, but whatever every time they do, you can tell it's just such a scramble for them. Like, wait, shit, what wait, wait, what happened? Uh uh, what uh this totally happened, right? Wait, what what happened? Yeah, Did he what? get thrown over? They seem legitimately unsure of this. Yeah, we end up catching a replay and basically Umaga hit the Samoan spike on Batista. But Batista fell under the ropes, which is not an elimination. It has to be over the top. So Batista's still in the match, but he's recovering and spends a lot of the rest of the match doing that. Yep. Uh, yeah, the uh, the strategic uh, rest spot gets uh, gets applied to Batista this time. And yeah. You know, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But then we get a trio of eliminations back to back to back. Yes. Undertaker throws out Snitsky and immediately Shawn Michaels runs up and throws out Undertaker. And then immediately yeah. Mr. Kennedy throws out under Shawn Michaels. There's this great moment too of, of Michaels throws out Undertaker and Taker's just glaring up at Michaels. And Michaels looks kind of triumphant from the, from the safety of his, uh, from the safety of, of, of his space in the ring. And he kind of, he starts to turn around a little bit and mm -hmm. Kennedy just comes up right behind and wallops him out too. And you just get this, Oh shit moment from Michaels of wait, yeah. no, I wasn't supposed to be out at the same time as him. He's oh, now hold on me. a minute. Oh, hold on a second. He's going to hurt me. He's mad at me. I don't want well, to. <laughs> well, fortunately Undertaker decides to take out his frustrations on Snitsky instead. Who he you know he, he does, he does drop HBK a little bit after that, but but mm -hmm. most of it gets taken out on Snitsky. I uh I think he, I think he hits I think he hits Michaels a little bit, but yeah, that he fucking drives Snitsky through a table. Yeah, 
Uh, but again, big shouts out to The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels coming in at number one and number two. The Undertaker lasts 32 minutes, 33 seconds, and Shawn Michaels goes that be number two minutes, and number three. 30, uh, number one and number two. Didn't you Undertaker and Shawn. Was the, was the number oh. one? Oh, no. Oh, I oh, meant oh. they came out one and two. Oh, but, I get you, I get you, I get you, I get you. Yeah. Sean lasted 32 minutes and 39 seconds. Undertaker lasted 32 minutes, 33 seconds. But they were the second and third longest, yes? Yes. Yeah. Batista yeah, was the longest. So that's yeah. so dope, though. Like, like again, way to give your legends their due. Yep. So then uh, I made a note that Co of Cody Rhodes having a spot where he does the skin the cat properly, just barely. And then he almost... He flips himself back up to grab Mr. Kennedy by yeah, the okay, legs this, this and the almost throws earlier, yeah. Kennedy out. Yeah. It was so dope. It was insane. It was insane. He, because he, he, Kennedy throws him over. He skins the cat once, comes up, tries to grab Kennedy. Kennedy knocks him back again, skins the cat a second time, grabs Kennedy, fucking pulls Kennedy over the ropes, and Kennedy skins the cat. And they both kind of like just barely pull themselves up, off, uh, up onto the apron. It was fucking nuts. That was, was such a that was such a that was such an insane spot, dude. I love that spot. Absolutely. Number 25 is Mark Henry, the other half of Matt the Striker's dudes. Yeah. And big, big they kind of work as a quasi double team, several points in the several points in the match. And but then uh it's at this point in the match where a hornswoggle is back. He's out, baby. Yeah, he pops out uh, while I don't remember who was a limp, who was fighting with the Miz, but he pops out to grab the Miz from the outside and he pulls Miz out of the ring. Yeah, so Miz yeah, is he, out. He helps eliminate. He helps eliminate Miz, um, mm -hmm. and then we cut back in ring and Punk and Chavo are fucking brawling. Oh no! Well, yes, because no, number twenty six is ooh Chavo. Dun, dun, dun. Chavo Guerrero comes out, and yeah, and him and Punk do immediately go at it. This is they they're going go hard, and they pretty much spend the rest of their match together fighting each other. Yeah, uh, sometime in the sometime in the middle of this, um, Hornswoggle finds himself completely back in ring. Someone throws him in, right? Uh, well, first Kane big boots John Morrison. Yeah, Morrison finally gets duded, but again, yeah, getting and eliminated then, by Kane's got to feel good. Yeah, and then uh, Mark Henry is trying to eliminate somebody. I don't quite remember who, but the Horsewoggle pops up again to try to do the same thing again. And this time, accidentally, Mark Henry grabs a hold of Hornswoggle. And so yes. he chucks <laughs> Hornswoggle cool. back in the ring. It's like and... the fucking claw machine with the little green men in in, uh, mm -hmm. in Toy Story. Just like the giant ass hand reaches over and clutches onto Hornswoggle. He's like, wait, no, hold up. Yep. And so then Big Daddy V and Mark Henry both look like they're about to destroy Hornswoggle. Yes. And then outruns Finley. Uh, Finley hadn't officially entered yet. Presumably he was 27, but I guess we can't confirm that, can we? Uh, so he runs out with a shillelagh and starts beating both of them down to try to save Finley, uh, Hornswoggle, excuse me. And yeah. then Hornswoggle and Finley just fucking leave. Yeah. What was that? I don't know. Uh, okay. officially, officially Finley is disqualified for the use of the shillelagh, which I was like, what? 
yeah, okay. But, sure. yeah, both of them just leave the match without being properly thrown out, and then they're just DQ'd, and that's it. Okay, dumb question, though. Like, and maybe you don't know. I don't I don't know, like, what you're familiar with past this. But, like, there was this giant thing in the beginning with McMahon talking to Hornswoggle. And was like, don't trust anyone, even that Finley guy. And then Finley shows up, and, and McMahon's like, the, yeah, don't trust anyone. Don't trust the short guy. And, like, and, like... Then they have this weird codependent moment of leaving together, but Hornswoggle doesn't. Does this have any payoff, character payoff, for anything? That that specifically was just Vince trying to sow discord and doubt between the two of them. Does that ever come to pass in any way? No, because I'll go ahead and spoil how this ends. Is that um, it's revealed that actually Hornswoggle isn't the illegitimate child of Vince McMahon. He's the illegitimate child of Finley. What? Yeah, that's how this pays off, is that Hornswoggle is Finley's kid, not Vince's. Finley doesn't look even that old, and Hornswoggle looks older than Finley. Uh, Finley is probably about a decade older than Hornswoggle, but yes. Oh, now I've got to go check this out. Second. Oh, but also, oh, you see, they're both Irish, so, you know dumb so dumb come on let's see here hornswoggle is 35 and finley hornswoggle's 35 now this moment yes today yes what in the fuck and finley is 63 so i guess actually the the ages could have worked this out wait what the shit how is Hornswoggle that young? Hornswoggle, Hornswoggle was, Hornswoggle was 22 in this well, was 22, 22 in this rumble. And Horns and Finley was 50 in this wait, rumble? Wait, hasn't Hornswoggle been active since like the 90s? No, Hornswoggle was only debuted in 06. Oh. They a, okay, they had Finley a, has been around since the 90s. Didn't they have an okay? Did they have another like little person pre Hornswoggle that I'm getting in? They've had with? multiple. You're probably okay. thinking of any number of them. Yeah, okay. I remember some from the at least one from the 90s. Okay, never mind. Yeah, oh, fin, Finley was 50 young. in this on this show. Damn, Jesus, Hornswoggle's young. What the fuck? Okay, yeah, well, that's goddamn wild okay so i guess that ages do add up but yeah okay cool but it's still a bunch of two irish guys so one they have to be related dom back to the action chavo dudes punk rip my good boy uh is that what happens next uh Uh, i mean that's the next thing i have there there might have been stuff in between oh uh first thing out is elijah burke comes out at 28 oh and oh, and this is when the Batista bit happens, where the where he gets out, where he gets hit with the Samoan spike. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wonder what happened because I know they they were not the camera was not on Big Daddy V when he got in the match. I don't remember what is happening, but I remember that Big Daddy V was not. They didn't have the camera focused on him, and that's why I mentioned it then. But then, yes, Chavo, because he's continuing to make CM Punk's life hell, he throws out Punk too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So long, my good, good boy. You were good while you yeah. lasted. Number twenty nine, the game. <laughs> yes, 
Triple H. And Triple he H he takes this role I mentioned earlier of dude who comes in and just starts throwing people out because there's too many people in this match right now. Yeah, uh, we gotta he, bend the horde, baby. He throws out Cody in a in a in the future. This will be a win for NXT over AEW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We made we made the joke of this is the closest NXT will ever get to beating AEW. Yeah. <laughs> then Triple H throws out Big Daddy V before Big Daddy V threw out a single other wrestler. Congrats. <laughs> and then Triple H throws Mick Foley into Elijah Burke, and both of them go out. Good job, Elijah Burke. You were here for two minutes and did nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, from there, everyone's right. just kind of fighting it out until number thirty. Cool. Yeah, apparently this was fucking huge. It was John Cena. Uh, before he he had been a he had had a torn pectoral muscle, and he was expected to be out nine to twelve months. He came back to the Royal Rumble after three. Jesus, some of these dudes are just made of rubber. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. So John Cena was a huge surprise return that absolutely no one saw coming because of that injury timetable mentioned earlier. Yeah. And he comes in and starts cleaning the house. Cena almost immediately throws out Carlito, throws out Chavo, and throws out Mark Henry to get us down to the final five. And... (laughs) Triple H immediately is like, what the fuck is he's this? So mad. He is he's immediately going after Cena. They have a stare down, they have a good shot where they have a stare down with the WrestleMania sign right in the middle of it. Because there's a Romania sign hanging from the ceiling in uh in the over to the side. And we'll touch more about that sign in a second. <laughs> yeah. They have the uh, stare there's... down. Uh, the, 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 the pop off, um, mm-hmm. the taunt off or, 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 or oh, no, that's, a, that's a little bit. That's a little that's bit. That's little in the final later. three. Oh, but oh first, pardon me. yeah. Batista pops back in to be like, ah, I'm still in the match. You forgot about me. And I legitimately did. In fact, I was trying to count the people in the ring to figure out how many people were left. And then right before it happened, I was like, oh wait, Batista's still in the match. So Batista pops in and throws out Mr. Kennedy and he throws out Umaga. And so the final four is Batista, Triple H, Kane, and uh, Cena. And almost immediately, Batista and Triple H work together to throw Kane out. Yeah. Uh, Getting rid of one of the, one of the big, uh, the big threats. I will say I was a little disappointed that Kane didn't get a little more to do. Like, like Kane got stuff to do, but like he didn't get highlighted a whole lot. No, he didn't really. It was just him throwing out Snooka and Piper. And then, and then like, there was a bit where like Undertaker threatened to choke slam Kane. And then he like, and then Kane fakes it out. Excuse me. Taker fakes it out and attacks Shawn Michaels instead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But like, otherwise, they, they, they yeah, do the brother thing, but they, yeah, we didn't get much more mileage out of it than that. Yeah, Kane didn't do a whole lot. Uh, it feels like there was a lot of big dudes in this match, and so I guess Kane just kind of got stuck being one of them that didn't really accomplish much. Yeah, okay. So the final three: John Cena, Triple H, and Batista. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. What a final fucking three that is. Yeah, 
Yeah, so they stand in a little triangle in the center of the ring and start having a fucking taunt off. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Batista does the thumbs up, thumbs down. Cena just goes, you can't really see can't me. See and then me. Triple H is like, you and you suck it. Yeah, he does. He does the D-Gen X thing and crotch thrust. It was great. It, uh, it, it was it was a, a great little uh, taunt standoff by way of that, like, three-way finger gun meme from the office yeah <laughs> that, that, that's the vibes i got <laughs> yep so they just kind of fight back and forth and they're like it's a really lot of it's a, it's a lot of fun back and forth action yeah it, yeah uh th- i mean i mean yeah it's three three of ww's finest at the time going in against each other and it's, it's cool to see these three paired up because they are kind of legendary all in their own yep. right um mm-hmm. batista though eventually uh is the is the next one to go the iron man falls leaving yep. only arch heel triple h and arch face john cena yep. last two in the match last two left yep yeah yeah no and this one this one this one was a uh 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 the this, numbers this, check out match they do of. they play this this match played this one played into the you know what would be mathematically the most like the two what should be the most likely winners is the last two were had we ended up being the final two which not which much to my surprise I didn't mind that like it's kind of mm-hmm. wild you don't think about the you, you would this this feels kind of counterintuitive but like mm-hmm. to me I didn't feel the shortness of Cena and Triple H's time in ring I think they both accomplished mm-hmm. enough and had enough like uh, highlight spots in just a little time they were in there yeah that it helped like, and also probably like how long the match was as a whole like kind of helped trick my brain into yeah like, but like it. triple h lasted 11 minutes and john cena was only in there eight that's still like that's still decent you know decently mm-hmm. long time it's not like mm-hmm. they were only like a couple minutes and then boom that's true. I've seen much quicker wins in the yeah. Rumble. Um, but I, I made a I, la- I yelled about how they they both start pointing at the sign at the WrestleMania yeah. sign. I'm like, hey, that's you don't do that till you win. What are you doing? You stop again. Taunt off part two. They're like my sign. No, my sign. Hey, fuck out of you. Hey, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so course. they start going the back and forth. They end up starting to hit their big moves on each other. Or as I wrote it. Jerking off on Triple H, FU counter, pedigree counter, double clothesline. Uh, to explain that first move, it's because the five knuckle shuffle is John Cena's move. You can't see me, and he drops the fist. And again, because that's an innuendo, it's the jerk off move. <laughs> he even does the move. <laughs> Even when they went PG, they never fucking changed John Cena's move being called the five. I want to believe. I, I want to believe that they just didn't notice when they first named it that, and then oh, I, be- so oh, I believe they would have noticed. Used. Oh, I'm sure they noticed because again, his other his finishing move, which is now the attitude adjustment, was called the FU. So I think they knew. They just didn't care. <laughs> but like i love the fact they just refuse to ever admit that it was an innuendo implicitly by changing it i find mm-hmm. that funny yeah so again they're just hitting each other's biggest moves or countering each other's biggest moves and then it kind of all ends where um john cena has triple h up for the fu he's trying to throw him out 
Triple H counters. He goes for the pedigree, but then Cena grabs him and puts him back up in the FU position and then just chucks him out of yeah. the ring. Yeah. He uh he he catches him in a quick in a quick moment and just um uh and just just eats it. Well it, it was it was cool too because like um earlier Cena had Triple H up on the ropes and Triple H kind of um uh caught himself and like <laughs> they both did that they both did like a bit where like they're like both about to o- throw each other over and they both grab the top ropes and just be like holding on yeah it looks like like push-ups on the on the rope it's so it's so ridiculous but on this one triple h can't quite swing the same move and just his leverage is used and whoop, bye-bye bye-bye and so john cena yeah of course cena come back victorious and he gets the win he, uh, yeah, of course, of course he does, right? Like, like mm-hmm. he's, he he got the big triumphant return. Of course, we're gonna put him over. Fine, yeah. fine. Give him that, give him that title, that that title run. Yeah. So he is going to WrestleMania 24, and he points at the sign, and the pyro goes off, and the show ends. Yep. Congratulations. Yep. So overall, I uh, it was a pretty enjoyable show for me. Yeah, no, I just I loved that. That was that was a, mm-hmm. that was a super fun time, and it was fun to just kind of unironically enjoy something that that uh, WWE made just all the way through for the most part. I I just had a really good time. Mm-hmm. World Rumbles are all again uh, a special amount of fun for me. Uh, very excited to watch this year's Royal Rumble, uh, which will have already happened by the time I finish recording. We finish. Yes, releasing this but whatever i was glad to get this in you know get one more uh royal rumble in while it's still royal rumble season yeah, yeah no that that was it was it was a fun introduction to the medium i i found yep and so that is the end of our episode tonight uh up next time uh we return to a e w it is time it is time to continue the women's eliminator tournament we have finished the japanese side of the first round of the bracket now let's flip on over to the american side of the first round of the bracket yeah baby it's gonna be good shit mm-hmm. uh but that is for next time until then david hit our plugs Yes, sir. My friends, my dear, dear friends, thank you so much for once again joining us on yet another wonderful episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Uh, we thank you so much for being here with us. If this is your, uh, if you're, if you're a returning listener, viewer, what have you, thank you so much for once again welcoming us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, whatever you use to consume our content. We hope you've had a great time. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, viewer, what have you. Uh, welcome. We are so delighted to have you here. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think we are friendly to both noobs and knockouts alike. So whether you are brand new to the wrestling fandom or you're a, you're a veteran of this wild, wacky world, we hope you feel welcome here. We hope you've had a great time. We hope you want to continue to come back and have a great time with us week after week. If you would like to do so and you're not entirely sure how to do so, not to worry, my friends, I have you covered. First of all, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe, ring that bell, make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we drop a new episode. Like, 
comment, add us to your playlist, check out our playlists, all of our uh, all of our uh, uh, eras and arcs and stuff that we follow are all organized into a nice little playlist. So if you want to uh, follow a specific thing without having to skip around all that much, well, bada bing, bada boom, we have you covered. And also in uh, more recent episodes, you can see our beautiful, lovely faces played right here for you in our awesome our awesome new setup. It's a great goddamn time. Check it out. Um, uh, if you are a fan, however, of the audio-only format, we have you covered there as well. You can find us on three of the best places to find podcasts, which would be Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Check us out there. Like us, uh, rate us, review us, download us, give us those listens. Be sure to give us those five-star ratings on, on Spotify and Google and Apple and drop reviews where you can. Uh, just anything to tell the algorithm, hey, these guys are pretty cool. Uh, and when we think more people should listen to them, I don't know, I'm just saying. But yeah, check us out on there. Uh, give us those downloads and uh, it's it's just just come just come hang out with us. It's a great time. Um, of course, on top of that is our social media. If you would like to try to get in more uh, direct contact with us at the show rather than just, you know, one-way little things of just listening to us ramble for several hours on end. Uh, you can find us, first of all, of course, on our Twitter, uh, at Noobs and Noxpod on Twitter. That's at Noobs, the letter N, Noxpod on Twitter. Uh, come check us out there. We uh, we drop dank memes. We engage with wrestling discourse in the broader fandom on a whole. We post every single time we drop a new episode so you guys know what the hell's going on. And, of course, the highlight of our Twitter is weekly wrestling live tweeting. My friend, what is on the docket coming up? Well, I will say usually right now, uh, I am in the middle of a show right now, so I will not generally be available on Wednesdays anymore, but for the next couple of weeks, but uh, normally every Wednesday night on AEW, we have AEW Dynamite, Dynamite. live at 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Eastern on TBS. Uh, it's the one weekly wrestling show I always watch live when I can, except for right about now. So why not go ahead and live tweet it? Uh, when I'm not available, David sometimes will jump in. I so, do my best. Sometimes I'm also busy. <laughs> yep. So, but that is our regular schedule. And then upcoming for shows. First, we have AEW Revolution, Revolution. coming March 6th. Uh, it is a the, one of AEW's quarterly pay-per-view events. Uh, right now, we do not have any matches available to talk about, but we will be. It will be available on traditional pay-per-view, uh, Bleacher Report online, or uh, select movie theaters experiences. Take a look at that. Uh, upcoming then for the WWE. Technically, it's Elimination Chamber. That's happening on February nineteenth. Except Feb, that is one of their biannual Saudi Arabia shows. And I have re explicitly refused to ever watch any of those. So we're skipping that one. And we're going straight to WrestleMania 38. Woo! Woo! Two-night WrestleMania coming April 2nd and April 3rd. Uh, obviously right now we don't have any matches upcoming, but we will soon by the next time, by the time we record our next episode, the Royal Rumble will have happened. So we'll already know at least one person who's having a title match at WrestleMania. Uh, so who knows when we'll get started with that stuff, but that is April 2nd, April 3rd should be a fun time. And then, and that's available on Peacock. And then, uh, for impact wrestling, 
We have April 23rd is Rebellion, their next quarterly pay-per-view. Uh, again, that is way too far out to actually have any not have any matches to promote, but it will be available on traditional pay-per-view and on Fight TV. Delightful. Be sure to check all of that out. Uh, it's a great time to, to come to come chill with us in our live tweeting. Uh, Austin, of course, is is the expert in all of this shit. He's been he he's 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 been practicing this this wrestling commentary thing forever. I'm sure, uh, in, in in his own time. So so what he has to offer is is smart and funny and insightful. And I like to think I'm a pretty just fun, mm. you know, my color commentary is just kind of dumb and goofy. But either way, whatever your flavor, we hope you want to come hang out with us. I think we're a pretty good time to, to, to watch wrestling with even cinema-only format. So check us out there. Of course, we also have our email address. Uh, if you want to get in super direct contact with us, kind of more long form if you like, you can email us at noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com. That's noobs, the word and this time, knockoutspod at gmail.com. Dot com. Uh, come say hi to us. Tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like, uh, things you want to see more of, less of, uh, suggestions, recommendations, uh, arts, eras, companies, general wrestling adjacent media, questions you have about the show, how we do it in general, if you want to yell at us about our hot takes or whatever just just come say hi uh we just we, we love it when people say hi we would love to say hi back so come email us at noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com and of course finally there is also our patreon we are also the noobs and knockouts podcast on patreon one dollar a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode see y'all next time hasta luego <laughs>